Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we talk about popular film franchises one movie at a time, just not this week. I'm Tyler. And I'm the coffee cup. Or the water bottle. There, we reference them both. Are you happy now? Tyler, insert some crashing sound effect. I was almost <laughs> going to throw my phone. I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> and I'm Britton. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, as you see, we are we are not unwilling to take on controversy on this show. <laughs> I hope that all our listeners have got their oven mitts on, because we got some hot takes for you on this episode of Here Come the Sequels. In a way. Yeah, can we just talk about how, um, by leaving a coffee cup in the in the uh, the shot there in, in episode f- four of season eight, Last of the Starks, um, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss kind of just... Uh, crapped over the legacy of television, of George R. R. Martin, of um, Martin Scorsese, um, yeah. Tolkien, uh, George Washington. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just America in general. Uh, it's similar. It's similar to how when when the, someone saw that thermos in a shot from Little Women uh, last year. The it, it basically dismantled all of movies, and that's why a lot of movies are being postponed this year. So that was the cause. That's it. <laughs> the coffee cup made coronavirus. You see, now now you got me paranoid because if I do ever see No Time to Die, the whole time I'm be like, "All right, where, where's the screw up? Where's 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 the, the, the... <laughs> coffee cup? Oh, he's supposed to be holding that. That thing. car wouldn't this, be in that country. This movie takes about? place in 2020. I see." Okay. Oh, this is oh, he's drinking coffee. Oh, it says James <laughs> Band on it. Guys. <laughs> no, that's just realistic. That's that's just true. <laughs> that's <laughs> That's what you can expect. Uh yeah, uh, we are talking about the last 3 episodes of Game of Thrones season 8, so the last 3 episodes of the show in its entirety. Um those episodes are episode 4, The Last of the Starks, episode 5, The Bells, and episode six, The Iron Throne. Um, those are, oh my gosh, I don't have the thing pulled up, but I think I remember. I'm, I'm going to, oh jeez, oh, you've, look, you've looked at it enough. <laughs> insert, <laughs> insert crashing sound. Um, <laughs> yeah, the fourth episode is directed by David Nutter as well as, oh no, sorry, that is the last episode directed by David Nutter. Um, the fifth, The Bells, was directed by Miguel Sapochnik, and then the final one, uh, was co-credited to both David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, um, and they wrote all three episodes. Uh, on on IMDb, um, the moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Here it is. It's all been leading uh, to this. So, so to set the scene, we've established the fact that um, pretty much every episode up to this point, except for uh, Season 5, Episode 6, Unbounded, Mint, Unbroken, um, had something in the range of 8.6 all the way up to like a 9.9. Um, um, that season five episode had an eight. Uh, the first three episodes of the season were all in like the sevens. Um, the last of the Starks has a 5.5. Uh, the bells has a, has a six and the iron throne has a four. Um, for reference, oh my God. the average score of Keeping Up with the Kardashians is a 4.2. <laughs> um, the, the television uh, show production, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, has an average score of 4.4 for all its episodes. And <laughs> the, the internet has spoken. The viewers, the viewers have made their will known. 
the season finale, the series finale, I should say, of Game of Thrones is worse is worse than the the average episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I mean, are they wrong? <laughs> I did, yes, <laughs> I, I do like. I think it's just because no one liked that episode where Rob Kardashian opened his mouth and breathed a bunch of fire onto someone, the Kim's favorite chair. <laughs> See, there's a lot of, like, people I would love to bring into this, this skit that you've just opened up, Britain, uh, that I think are associated with the Kardashians, but I'm really not sure. And so I can't, like, I can't quite, you know, play off of that. And I really want to... <laughs> You know, Tyler, I feel the same way because the only one I can think of right now is O.J. Simpson, and I don't think I want to go down <laughs> that particular avenue. <laughs> we'll leave that for uh, for David Letterman to tackle. <laughs> so, uh, does anybody have a, a strong opinion about, uh, for, for this episode, we'll be doing uh, worst, middlest, and best, uh, ranking these these last three? Anybody want to go first in terms of? Uh, mm. I've, I've got. I'm ready to go. If you if you want me to, to, to take it away. Yeah, take yeah, it away. Yeah, please do. I don't. Um, for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it simple. I, I think uh, I gotta go four, five, six in escalating levels of quality. Um, I could basically. Um, I feel like most of all of these episodes is generally quite good. Um, I think, and I, I had this realization while I was watching these episodes, because I had not seen any of these, had not seen any of season eight since, uh, it aired, as we talked about last time. Um, the, uh, first of these, episode four, is like 50 minutes of just people unwinding or sort of setting up maybe some new tensions in the wake of the long night and the, the battle at Winterfell. Um, so everyone's at Winterfell and they're all talking and having a good time. And then we're also getting some of the Daenerys stuff where, uh, it's becoming clear Daenerys does not really fit into this crew. And then also, um, we've got Sansa and, uh, Arya and Jon, and they're all kind of pushing the forward, the narrative of Jon's parentage and the fact that he is theoretically the true heir to the Iron Throne. Um, and so I think all of that stuff is honestly great. Like, I don't really have any problems with any of it. Um, it, it you know, basically, it's just like a lot of really strong dialogue. There's there's nothing else. It's all in Winterfell. It's all localized right there. Um, and it's almost exactly at the 50-minute mark that we then cut to um, Varys and Tyrion hanging out on one of the Iron Fleet boats as they're kind of heading heading towards King's Landing. And Daenerys is like, I'm going to go burn some stuff. Um, and then from there we get Euron ambushing their fleet and there's lots of people like getting thrown off of ships and, uh, they end up on the shore somewhere. We don't really know where. And like, we basically just pace through a bunch of sequential plot points in terms of things that need to happen in order to get us where we need to be over the next 27 minutes. So this episode is a 77 minute Yes, 77-minute episode, I believe. Um, and then The Bells is a 78-minute episode that starts with almost exactly 27 minutes of following <laughs> up on those plot lines from the last 27 minutes of episode four. So that we're talking about stuff like uh, Masande getting captured. Um, although that 
that does finish in episode four, but then that also right. spirals Daenerys further. Um, so we're talking about um, Varys's kind of plot as he's slowly realizing he wants to and needs to betray Daenerys. Um, we're talking about Jaime leaving Bran and eventually getting set free by Tyrion to get back into King's Landing. Um, so we're talking about a lot of plots that people really did not like uh, in this season. And I really feel like... Okay, so episode 5 is also like 78 minutes, something like that. I really feel like if they had just sequestered all that stuff into one episode without changing anything, without changing any content, without, you could you could change stuff. I think you can make it tighter. Um, and I have some thoughts about like what specifically... I The specific problems I have with those plots, um, kind of some of the logistic stuff and just things they skip over and don't really explain. Um, I think if you put all that into one episode, so then we've got episode four, it's just the aftermath of the long night. We get a big, nice funeral scene. Everyone's talking, having a good time. Daenerys is feeling a little more isolated, uh, but we've got Bran and Jamie together. That's exciting. Um, we're having a good time. We're having fun. We're having fun with all these characters who survived. Um, if you have that, that is the next episode, the week after the long night airs. You've got another week, and then you get all this stuff that people are uh, not happy with and that I have problems with, all these kind of more problematic, quote-unquote, uh, plot points. And then we jump into just the bell starts with uh, Daenerys basically leading her army to attack King, King's Landing and like them landing down. I think the, the pacing of that and letting people breathe on some of that stuff... Um, would make the season have gotten a better reception. I mean, at this point, there were people who had already, like, jumped off after Long Night. They were already like, nope, this is terrible. Not what I wanted. John doesn't kill the Night King, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I get that. But I think if you just breathe... Like, you don't have to actually make a new episode. I think if you just spread these... I don't think there was a reason these two episodes needed to be as long as they were. And I think you could just spread them into three individual episodes and so then like that middle one would kind of start with Varys and Tyrion on the ship and then it would end somewhere around the time that uh, Varys gets uh, executed you could kind of mess around with the timing of that so that maybe you have that happen at the very end of the episode so maybe change around like when Tyrion says Jamie free or something like that I think you can make that so much more like palatable by just giving people a chance to process what's going on and maybe it was a lost cause anyway maybe people were you know the internet had gotten hold of the finale is bad wins, uh, the, and, the smell uh, in the air. And as we had mentioned, the I, I don't know if it was the actual scripts, but the plot details sure. leaked for these like a week or two in advance of when they yeah. aired. So it was already like bad faith of a lot right. of people going into this. Right. But I just wonder if you kind of let that draw out more, if that gives people like... Because this is just so, I think that middle chunk is rushed. I think if we're if we're looking for where people say, oh, the, sh the show rushed it, they 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 just uh, lazily threw it in and, and they didn't uh, care about what they were doing, which is just like fundamentally untrue, um, based on like everything we know about the production of the show and specifically season eight. Um, but I think if you just let that breathe a little more and, and again, get those plot lines in their own episodes so that people at least have like a scapegoat, <laughs> they can be like, okay, I did not like that one. I like the one before it. And I like the one after it. Again, the one after it is Daenerys gone mad, quote unquote, snapping, whatever you want to call it. 
Um, so maybe that also would not have been well, well received, but I just think that you can pull these in a way that makes it a, you, I mean, HBO gets one more week of people watching Game of Thrones. So I don't see why they didn't have any problem with that. And B, I just think it would, it would work better. Like I, I <laughs> it just feels yeah. more, and I guess you can make the argument that, you know, I think because episode four is directed by David Nutter and then Sapochnik directed episode five. So maybe if you if you realized this while while it was on the cutting room floor and you were trying to figure out what you were doing with the episodes or something then i don't know how you like credit that but that seems like a small thing because i really feel like that could have improved the way people perceive this just as it was coming out which of course really impacted the overall discussion of it after now that people can actually watch it all the way through um and then i think episode six is perfect <laughs> i think it's <laughs> it, it, like i i love it um i think it's just like a a really um, beautiful denouement of I think I've said that wrong twice in a row. Um, I think it's I think uh, it's denouement. I think denouement. That I sounds think. good. That sounds French. Um, they, I, it, it's just like the fact that we get you know a, a ten or fifteen minute conversation between Tyrion and John just debating and like talking about this, and they're they're at the edge of this massive sprawling thing that has left so many people dead and so many people broken. Um, and, and we're kind of reuniting them. Uh, they, they've had conversations in the last couple of seasons, but we're really like bringing them back into focus after that very first uh, few interactions and in see way back in season one. Um, I just think that's beautiful. And I love the fact that uh, we've kind of got these, this collection of sad kind of lonely lost people who uh, have been through just absolute hell uh, for the past eight seasons slash ten or so years of their lives, and now they're like, "All right, well, we we have to pick up the pieces and figure out what we're going to do to fix all this." Um, and so it leaves you with just this, like, the slightest hint of, "Okay, well, maybe they can, maybe they can do something with this. Maybe they can kind of." We, the these people are all, um, people who have been advisors to bad leaders. They've seen flaws. They've seen mistakes that leaders have made that they've tried to follow. Talking specifically about the small council with Tyrion and Davos and um, Brienne and uh, Sam. Sam didn't really follow anybody aside from John, I guess. But uh, he's probably the best one on the council. Um, <laughs> it's this, but it's just this collection of people who they've seen so much and have experienced so much and are now like able to apply that knowledge to be like, well, now there's no one to really like tell us they're going to override our decisions. Let's work together to try to like collectively guide this, this place that uh, clearly just has been completely failed by this, the institution of monarchy. Um, and I think that's really neat. I like that a lot. Obviously there is still a King at the end, but it, it feels like it's more of a, um, a brain trust than, necessarily just one guy being like i'm going to lead everything uh so yeah i uh I, I quite like it and i'm I'm sure we'll have many different things to say about it but i i really think the show lands for me on like the perfect tonal note yeah um i i agree i i i'd say that my um i think my rankings would go the same direction um i i kind of liked them all all equally and i had reservations <laughs> about each one of them mm -hmm. but i would... I'm, I'm in a i'm in a similar boat yeah i think yeah like i 
I, I enjoyed all the episodes, but I had little moments with each of them. I, the the real kind of thing for me here is that I did know most of the big things going. I knew about Brandon mm-hmm. becoming king, and I knew about Daenerys dying. I don't know if I knew specifically that she destroyed King's Landing, but I knew that she did something that would tip the sure. scales, as it were. Um, and I mean, the be- I probably said this on the podcast before, but like the best comparison I can give is when I watched Lost and Battlestar Galactica, both of which have controversial endings that people don't mm-hmm. like. And I'd heard that a lot before I watched the shows. And so as I was watching the shows, I was like, I don't know how these shows end. I just know people don't like them. And I got to both shows ending and I was like, that was fine. Probably not how I would have ended it, but also I don't know how I would have ended it. That was fun. You know, who doesn't love Daniel Day Kim? Yep. And with Game of Thrones, <laughs> I did actually know some details about how it ended. And we've talked about how with this over the podcast, we've been re- – I certainly have been really watching Daenerys for clues about like, okay, are there breadcrumbs leading to this thing that comes later? All of that arc worked for me. It made sense to me. It all felt natural to me. I see how somebody would find it rushed if they had no idea this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I could see how someone – so totally being on Daenerys' side from the beginning, which I think we all are at the beginning of the show yeah. on Daenerys' side. And it's not even really that we're against her fully at the end. It's more just like, no, I, I do think she went crazy. Yeah, the, and, and there's uh, never a point, I think, where the show, especially the way that last scene with her and Jon is played in terms of having her yeah. be still like, Oh, I'm I'm still very idealistic, and like you know, yeah. I believe I can I can fix everything. Like you know, though I'm I know I hurt people, but like you know, the, it was necessary. Um, and I think, yeah, it, there's never really a point where we're supposed to be like we hate Daenerys now. No, um, no. There's a point where you can you're supposed to be like, oh, she's she's very scary. This is <laughs> this is not exactly. a good situation. I think, I think that's the word for it is she's she's terrifying. She's not evil, mm-hmm. but it's that she has power and she has will. She she has the willingness to do these things, uh, so more. And I, I would put four. And I agree with you about like if you had just taken the end of four and the beginning of five and made a a, a little a little cream of Oreo episode in the middle of it, <laughs> and then we have a seven episode season. There we go. And I and think then, yeah, and that way you can trim some things you need to trim, but also flesh yeah. out some things. I'm not saying it has to be a 50 minute episode, but like. May, get, if you consolidate those things, I agree. I think it gets better. Um, and especially yeah. <clears throat> with relation to Daenerys, that the reason I I kind of had that realization is because it's like if you give people a week to be like, oh, this is where the show is going. <laughs> like right, we've got right. Daenerys fraying; she's lost all her advisors. Uh, you know, she she's feeling just completely like unraveled. Uh, I think that gives people a second to be like, okay, so we need to prepare for <laughs> for what's about to happen because it's exactly, not going to yeah. be good. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and I, the uh, two little notes I want to make about episode four, just to kind of get this part discussed. Um, I do have two social issues with episode four, uh, which I think people can all guess what those are. One is the handling of Missandei, and this was something that I remember. I remember when this happened when it was airing. I was talking to a friend of mine who who watches the show, and we were saying like, or she was talking about how she understood why Missandei. Missande dies to motivate Daenerys to, mm. to like get Daenerys closer and closer. And there's not really another character on Daenerys's team who would m- warrant that type of yeah. response, yeah. really, except for Jorah. But it's even though I think and really Jorah even 
and even Jorah, it's a different kind of deal yeah. because Jorah would be like, well, he was clearly willing to sacrifice himself anyway. Like, it's all... Right. A, a also, deal. Jorah didn't yell Dracarys right before being beheaded. <laughs> yes. I, I, and I think that the Burn real issue... All. And And the real issue, I think, with it is this is a show with very few people of color, only mm-hmm. one woman of color, and she dies to further the white woman's story. Right. And th- th- this is something that is just purely fixed with when you have multiple people of color, no one person has to be the sole representative of that group. Yeah. No one's and... going to look at it and say, if you have, you know, a very diverse cast and be like, well, why did you, you know, specifically like kill off that person? Yes. It's like there, I think there's a, and it, this certainly applies to game of Thrones. Um, there's a pretty common, uh, trope in fiction of killing off gay characters where it's like you might have a character who is like oh that's representing a homosexual character and then they die and (laughs) every non uh straight person in this show does uh, pretty much die except for i guess you could well i mean like even i would say like gray worm still is attracted to misande like even when you're talking like eunix you know you're is is bran is Bran asexual now? Maybe so. Maybe <laughs> I so. think Bran, Bran has transcended. Count? I think Bran, Bran has transcended. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, quite. and like Yara is bi. Sure. Okay, that is fair. I also realized when that happened, I was like, Missande doesn't do a lot in the show. Mm-hmm. Like mostly, her the only real story that she has that is purely hers is a romance with Grey Worm. Mm-hmm. Which again, so now you have a woman dying to further a man's story, and it's like there's, there's, yeah, that, that's and kind the, of the only two significant uh, people of color in the show are dating. Yeah, so now that's, uh, and it's yeah. like, I, I completely understood, and this this kind of goes back to the old saw of how what we've talked about on the show a lot before is like, oh, when you have more diversity, you avoid these kind of problems, and that's really all there is to it. Yes, uh, but the other one is uh, Sansa's line about Littlefinger when she says to. The hound. Uh, a hound, if it hadn't been for Littlefinger and Ramsay, I might still be a little bird. Now, here's, here's the thing. The, the obvious comparison to this for me is Age of Ultron, where... That flashed in my brain when I was watching. Yeah, well. uh, Black Widow, or Natasha has the line. She has, she's giving her monologue about her backstory. And part of her backstory is that she was made uh, rendered unable to have, to give birth to children. And within this monologue, she says that she's a monster. And everyone got all upset and said, Joss Whedon is intimating that women who can't give birth are monsters. I don't think that's what he meant. I think what he meant was she's a monster because she was trained to be unfeeling and kill people. Yep. And he just, he just didn't, he wasn't clear enough in his writing. Mm-hmm. And that's something I'm like, I totally see why you all would get that. That's not what he meant. He needed to do a better job of writing yep. that monologue. So it's like, we all kind of goofed here. And in this, I think that what D&D meant by that is Sansa had this inner strength that she was able to tap into and grow within these terrible circumstances, that these were horrible things that shouldn't have happened to her, but because she is a strong person, she survived them and, and found further strength and yeah. became this per- wonderful person. But what it sounds like is, <laughs> you know, maybe it's kind of a good thing that that these men... Emotional were, manipulation and abuse. Yeah, and sexual and assault. Maybe it's kind of a good thing abuses. because it made her strong. 
And this is a, a thing yeah. that people have a feel is is often a problem in fiction is where sexual assault is used to make to make quote unquote make the woman strong. And it's like, obviously, that's a gross way to do things. I don't think that's what they meant. I really think what right. they meant was, no, she went through terrible things, but she is a strong person, and so she survived them and became strong because of herself. It's just like again with more diversity in the writers room you have someone to check that line and go hey here's a different way to phrase what you're saying i know what you mean but this this, this sentence won't suggest what you mean right. so i i totally like don't hold that against them it's just like oh you just needed a different sentence uh, <laughs> think think about it a little bit more it's okay yeah, that was the that. same scene with the coffee cup i mean we're we're just screwing up <laughs> left and right <laughs> just curveballs everywhere um, and i think it's uh, while, while we're on this topic i do want to mention um because a lot of these, I mean, we've we talked about these from the beginning of the show, where it's like there a lot of these are just like systemic problems with the show that come from the yeah. fact that most of the creators are straight white dudes, and you're like, you know, you're not, I don't know, you're not getting any anybody else to add some creativity to this and and add, you know, ch- check yourself against like, well, how is this going to be received by like modern viewers? Because even though you're making a show that's set in you know a fictional version of like the whatever you want to call it maybe like the the 1400s or something like that um the you know you're not uh you're not showing it to an audience back then you're showing yeah. it to an audience today and so you have to do you do have to consider this and make sure that people are still going to enjoy what you're doing even if you feel comfortable doing more like you know plot points like um, sounds of getting sexually assaulted because you right. you want to make the argument that's historical. You still have to think about this <laughs> a little bit more. Um, but yeah. I also I think it, a good point off of that is the fact that uh, I know a lot of people were upset because and these these are all sort of things that you can take out of context and hold against the show. And I don't blame anybody for doing that because it's it still doesn't look good even if there is more context to it and it does it does work better within the actual story um is the fact that like daenerys is a powerful woman leader and she uh then Mm -hmm. not only uh kind of goes crazy and and kills a bunch of people and then she gets killed by uh her uh boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) right um her her incestuous uh lover (laughs) her her nephew Um, boyfriend yeah nephew boyfriend um and then he's kind of redeemed in the eyes of the show and it's like it all works in the story in a, in a way that yeah. does not make you feel like the show is trying to say all women leaders are going to go crazy right. and, and be awful and you know it's fine to kill people you love uh that that's not weird at all like you know it, sometimes right. it's justified it's such a specific weird case in terms of what's happening in the show that like no one would take that away from it in terms of that being what the show is trying to tell you. But it's still, it's something to consider about the um, kind of the perspective. Uh, and I think a lot of that goes back to the fact that, uh, you know, this, this comes from George's brain. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody would have batted an, batted an eye at that in, you know, the mid 1990s. Uh, for one, I think that he's, you know, we're, we're working with a story that he had already kind of devised back then. He is a straight white man. Uh, and you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a problem. I would say, um, I think it also does come from the fact, and this, this is something that actually works in the show's favor that I don't think the plot would actually work with the, the, 
emotional manipulation, I guess, or the uh, the trickery of hiding the fact that, oh, she's actually going to be, you know, a, a kind of a tyrant by the end. I don't think that would work with a male character. I don't think you could get audiences agree. to sympathize in quite the same way because... And it's it's almost playing on the fact that there's not enough strong female uh, characters in, like, across fiction, mm-hmm. even now, in a, in a world where we do get a lot more of that and people are starting to understand this is a thing that needs to be provided and, and these are stories that need to be written. Um, yeah, it's still, like, I, I don't know if you could have, like, Viserys be the guy <laughs> and, and have him play it more yeah. subtly. Um, I forget the actor's name. Um uh, Harry Lloyd, yeah. Yes, yes. I don't know if you could have him be like, oh, he's kind sometimes, and sometimes he's very cruel. I think at some point people would just be like, oh, this guy's awful, I hate him, why Why do people like him? Um, sure. And it's because of the fact that Daenerys is kind of a unique, very nuanced character that then you're able to manipulate the audience in the way to be like, oh, you were totally rooting for this person the entire time. And right. the signs, at no point did we lie to you about who they were. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's a fascinating. I, th- there are definitely a lot of I think valid complaints that come from that uh, that mm-hmm. viewpoint of just being like this is a very uh, white male gaze <laughs> type of show. Yeah. Um. And, and so it's hard to, to break out of that. But yeah. Yeah. All and, worth and I pointing do, out, I, I think. Yeah, and I do see how someone who's not familiar with the show would be like, oh, so the two main female leaders are. A ty- are tyrants like Daenerys and Cersei are your two female leaders. Mm-hmm. But if you watch the show, you see there are people like Sansa whose story is like, she's clearly not going to be a tyrant and Marjorie and Yara and, and even, and even Olena who is, is cruel in many ways, but is also like a wonderfully feminist character. Yeah. And like Catelyn, you have uh, examples throughout the show of, good female leadership and and brienne obviously is like this marvelous character and it's worth noting that uh the only reason daenerys and cersei are still there is because they're pretty good at uh controlling political situations and and uh imposing their will and so they've outlasted a lot of the horrible male leaders (laughs) yeah absolutely uh have gotten killed off on the show so yeah yeah so i think if you watch the show you see most of the male leaders are bad the two main female leaders are bad but a lot of the female leaders are actually fine right. <laughs> um, compar- comparatively right yeah so yeah those, those are mine obviously there's a whole lot to talk about alex what are yours i know you're a big tom nook you love the bells <laughs> because as we all know they always mean surrender britain how long yeah, have oh, you been sitting on that how uh since uh sunday or monday um, when, I, when, I, when I watch the episode, Alex, what is yeah. what is the discrepancy with the bells meaning surrender? Because this is something that I know you've been having a, a thing about. I mean, it's 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 not a big <laughs> deal. It's just a thing that that the internet picked up on as as right. yet another just small thing to kind of use to dig at the show and be like, this is why this season is bad. Yeah. The idea is that you know Tyrion makes a huge big deal about like. Oh, when when the bells ring in King's Landing, like it's over. We don't we don't want to have to keep fighting. You don't have to burn down the city. Everything will be fine. Um, and that's kind of built up as kind of a big plot point. Um, yeah. During uh, episode seven or what? No, five. Uh, five. <laughs> I forgot how many episodes were in this season. <laughs> um, but um, they 
there there's a bit back um during the battle of blackwater bay where somebody either the bells are ringing or somebody brings it up and davos specifically says i've never known the bells to mean surrender Mm. and it's sort of played like a like I watching it this time, it feels like it's all just Tyrion saying he's going to make the bells ring. I don't remember the timing on whether he finds out Jamie is a prisoner before or after he tells Daenerys that if yeah, the bells ring, they're surrendering. Um, but it almost feels like he's saying, "All right, the bells are going to mean surrender," and then he's going and telling Jamie, "Hey, make sure they ring the bells," and then they'll mean surrender because Jamie disappears they don't actually show what he does but he like disappears from the crowd immediately before yeah I suppose they start that, ringing all the bells i, I suppose so that like, actually is a good defense if if it's just like oh no Tyrion is setting it up in such a way where yeah. he's making it mean surrender yeah. Yeah. all right he specifically tells jamie make sure they ring all the right. bells tyler just because... no prized it we're good we're done yeah <laughs> internet calm down we're good all right <laughs> we're fine i brought it up a million times it's fine we're done <laughs> uh my favorite episode um, is probably going to be episode six, The Iron Throne. Um, I did, for the most part, I thought the, the, these episodes were very consistent. I do have some problems, some small things. Um, I think overall I liked these episodes better than the first three, hmm. I think. Hmm. Um, I don't know. The last episode just, just worked really well for me. Um, there's... I, I, there's some questionable stuff in ter- in terms of just kind of like oh we got to wrap this up. Um, sure. I think overall what it's going for it, it kind of succeeds at um, you know my my problems notwithstanding. Um, specifically, just kind of taking in all the damage at the beginning for like the first twenty or so minutes of the episode, and Tyrion's walking through the city and he finds Cersei and Jaime. I found all of that really really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It hurt me in a way. <laughs> it's also, like super it's also really nice because it, it kind of is like, hey, if Sandor hadn't uh, hadn't stopped his brother, uh, he might have been able to protect Cersei because that's not a thick layer of bricks. Uh, you know, I'm just oh saying. Like he, he, we show earlier in the bells that Gregor is able to protect Cersei and Kyburn from a big a big pile of fallen right. bricks. Just saying, my boy Sandor. The way he takes out <laughs> Kyburn, you all in a solid. The way Kyburn gets taken out <laughs> might be the most yes. terrifying thing I've ever seen, and it's so quick. It's just so the fact good. that his head just gets destroyed. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it is. No, I think it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Kyburn is such a weird, like, dark humor kind of character. I think that's perfect. <laughs> if you asked him in the afterlife, uh, I wouldn't have wanted to go out any other way. <laughs> No, listen, I just became the thing I love the most. Are you kidding me? Dead. <laughs> um, I think I appreciate anyway, that, that the show doesn't forget to have conversations and, and really address the consequences of what's happened. Like, mm-hmm. I, know, I know a lot of people kind of make fun of that scene between Tyrion and Jon where it's just like, oh, the writers are just throwing out excuses because they need to explain away why Daenerys is suddenly bad. <laughs> and it's like that it's supposed to be like like looking in the mirror and like realizing, "Oh, I need to like rethink kind of my perspective and and how I've been feeling about Daenerys even though, you know, theoretically she's yeah. done all these these good things, but they're actually kind of terrible when you think about it." it. It's sort of like uh Britain, you you missed out on this experience. Um there is a 
like mega cut, mega cut in the preview for the bells that that aired when the bells aired, um, and like the previously on that shows Daenerys. Um, maybe it's I don't remember if it was it, in the bells it, or if it, it was does in... it does play on the HBO Max version. I did watch that. Okay, so maybe you did see it. I don't know. Um, no, I skipped those things, dude. <laughs> yeah, so don't have time those, for that. <laughs> it's oh, got man. it shows Daenerys and it does a voiceover of like all the times she's done a bunch of terrible stuff and like Tyrion mm. saying the gods flip a coin when a, when a Targaryen is born and like people were like no that's bad writing because you're saying that you're <laughs> like trying to justify this thing that doesn't make any sense but it's like no 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 they're they're referencing all the times they've set up what's about to happen yeah yeah that's not it's not quite the same thing also um, I don't know that D&D wrote the recap sure <laughs> sure <laughs> But yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I was hoping that before the uh, finale, the previous on would just be like one of those YouTube videos. It's like five seconds from every episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> the, so all of Game show, of Thrones sped up 500 times. Or they just show like every death up until that point. <laughs> it's set to uh, like the can-can. <laughs> it's set to like, everything you say to me gets me one step closer to the edge. <laughs> um so yeah i i liked uh (laughs) i liked daenerys's final scene um yes i I think that people forget how smart the dragons are in terms of drogon Mm -hmm. burning the throne uh the john getting taken prisoner and then gray worm not killing him and using him as a hostage and then letting Tyrion talk in spite of saying you don't get to talk here right that all's a bit flimsy for me. Sure. I sure. think ultimately Tyrion's whole monologue about stories and, and why he goes with Bran, I think that works, even though Bran mm-hmm. has been a very boring character and nobody's really cared about his plot. Like, it, it, it's all about how, how you're able to present it to the people of of the Seven Kingdoms. And, like, the, I, I don't know. That, that all made sense for me. And I like where we end with, with all of our, our main Stark characters. Um, yeah. with, with all of them kind of going mm-hmm. their separate ways. I, I found all that kind of heartfelt. Um, and I love the, the uh, kind of the, the ending scene where we get our, our, our little crew of people that are going to be running the show now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have questions about people's positions because that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't... Uh, is is it Davos who's master of coin and no Davos is da- master of ships okay ships and master, Bron is master of, grammar. of coin no Bronn is master of coin that's the one yes. that didn't make sense to me <laughs> I'm like yeah. he would be master of war just make him master of war <laughs> would also be fair um, um, yeah yeah I, Davos I, is master of grammar <laughs> correct isn't that I, great joke that's a good that's a good joke it's a very good joke um I, I yeah I, I think people just overlook a lot of the really cool fun moments in, in these last episodes just because yeah. the the show uh, allegedly hurt their feelings I guess I don't know um, there is a lot to unpack there's like, a lot to unpack I, I mean I, and I'm, not, I'm not I have problems with these episodes I'm not going to say that people you know don't have valid reasons for for not liking this last season or even the last couple of seasons but mm. I, I think everyone just needs to chill out <laughs> Sure. Um, that being said, I think my worst episode is probably going to be the bells. Nope. Um, 
And I think a lot of that might just be, oh, you didn't do the thing that I wanted. <laughs> sure. Um, we should definitely talk about, uh, and you can go ahead and say your point now, but I was going to say, we should definitely talk about, like, how we, what we thought was going to happen yeah. going into this mm-hmm. and, like, what, you know, yeah. if there was any way to, like, tighten up things. Anyway, um, continue. Yeah, I, I, I have thoughts. It's it's interesting because I, I there's a lot of stuff I like in it. Um, I the one thing that that always bothered me is like when when the bells do ring and Daenerys kind of has her moment where she snaps. When when I watched that last time, I was like, I literally don't know what's going on in her head right now. I don't know why she makes this decision to suddenly start to attack everything. Um. And I didn't really have that much of a problem with, mm-hmm. with that this time. Because I'm just like, oh, she's just thinking about how... The way I read it. Maybe I'm, I'm putting too much on it. But I, I thought it was... Look at how much I lost in order to get here. And Cersei, I hate her with every fiber yeah. of my being. I'm gonna... I just burned up her whole army. Like, screw it. I'm just gonna take out everyone. Because I'm gonna remake the world in my own image. Mm-hmm. Well, and she's, she's hate... She has hatred towards, like, the city because right. all the people, like she talks about, the people did not rise up to meet her as they did when she was in Slaver's Bay. And, like, she's basically gotten the cold shoulder from everybody she's met in Westeros. And so right. there's just this this general sense of, like, you know what? No, they're never going to love me. I got to Yeah. And I, 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 I do think that's, that's probably my, my lingering problem with that is that, I feel like we need an opportunity for her to confront like a group of commoners or whatever, mm. and then for to directly reject her. Like I feel sure. like we need that literal a scene, and I don't know how you do that, because um, I think it's a little bit different that like she's with the head, you know, she's in the north, and and like the free sure. folk are hanging out with John. I'm like that feels a bit different from just. The people in King's Landing, they just kind of ran inside because they're afraid of her, and they don't really know much about her. I don't know. Um, I, I, I think I, I think more is needed there for it, yeah. for it to have been more acceptable for, for a lot of people. I think the um, – for me, the, a lot of the Tarly stuff goes a long way towards that because you do get mm. at least, like, yeah. some people being like, oh, she does not, like, respect the fact that, you know, he doesn't want to bend the knee. Like, she refuses to accept these things. And, right. But yeah, I, it would have been nice to get something where, you know, we, we get her interacting and understanding that, like, the people are not ready to rise up uh, and and love her. Like, I, I need a moment where, like, maybe when, when they go and confront Cersei at King's Landing, uh, for a moment where, where we see a bunch of the commoners, maybe Cersei opens the gates and they all see her and they, they're, like, all afraid or, I, I don't know. I don't know how you do that effectively, but I, I needed something more. And that's that that's the thing that I liked when they did that throughout the show was like when we mm-hmm. get that common ground view and kind of what I kept going back to of like how do the, the upper level politics affect just the normal people on the ground? Um, and I feel like that's missing um, for a good chunk of the season when it's probably super important that it's here. Sure. Um, of course, like like surface level, like I get it. Um, and I, enough is there to figure out what's going on, but I don't know, to, to make it super effective. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of going in circles now, but yeah, no, I fall. Um, I don't know. The fact also that it's just super easy for Daenerys, even, you know, she's got one dragon, but like in five minutes, she just takes out the whole army. Um, 
And I kind of get how that's supposed to be subversive, but at the same time, I I don't know. There there's so many conversations about like, oh, your army's like half dead. You have you're missing two dragons. Like it's just not that much of a fight. And I'm not going to say that the scene where the second dragon gets killed by the uh by Euron and his fleet is is dumb because I know a lot of people like to to make fun of that scene yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm sure we'll break that down and you know Benny off and Weiss oh well she, she forgot about about the Iron Fleet and it's like once again these they stick these guys in a room for three hours and tell them to break down every plot point in, for these episodes like I and my heart bleeds for them <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I I I feel like there's there's it's weird how they're able to get, like, perfect shots killing the dragon the first time, and then Daenerys is right. just able to dodge everything else that comes her way. I know it's supposed to be a, a surprise, versus she's kind of... She and Drogon mm-hmm. yeah. are aware of what's going on. But, I don't know. There there seems to be a lack of stakes in terms of Daenerys making it through that battle. And I know sure. once we get to the bells and she starts taking everyone out, she turns into the monster... But still, I, I, I don't know. The, the, once again, there's something missing there. Um, yeah. And I was kind of worried watching it because, like, when the Golden Company gets taken out, I'm like, oh, that, waste of time. Thanks for showing us the, the no-name character who's, who's leading them. <laughs> Harry who just... Strickland. Sure. <laughs> um, the guy who looks like Pete Holmes. <laughs> I spent the whole time being like, is that Pete Holmes? Is Pete Holmes in this? <laughs> but, yeah, like... The, the way they kind of just get easily dispatched. I was kind of worried that John and, and, and the Northmen weren't actually going to get involved with the fight. The first time I watched mm-hmm. it, I was like, oh, is Daenerys just going to just gonna take care of everything? Um, obviously, there's more to it after that, and I like a lot of that stuff, and I like John kind of realizing, oh, the Northmen are terrible too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, war is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, liked, I liked a lot of that stuff, but um, I... I I don't know how you improve it. I don't know how you make that better. Um, but I, I maybe if we're talking about the pacing that you're talking about, Tyler, well, really the the battle and the destruction of King's Landing is all in a, in an episode. Maybe we have more of John and his men kind of being more proactive in the fight at the beginning. I don't know. Um, and then also uh, Clegane Bowl, I found kind of schlocky. Um, I enjoyed it well Good. enough. Tyler, I know you love it. I, I know, I know. But I, I, I discovered that they call it Clegane Bowl. Like they, they, they had a, they knew that they were like building towards Clegane Bowl. Yeah. Um, in interviews, they talk about this. Like the, it was not just like a, an internet thing. It was like a thing that they were like, oh yeah, we're doing that, and we're going to start using that name because it's a good name for it. Yeah. And it makes <laughs> me very happy. Um, I like, I like how brutal I'll, it is. Alex, but... Oh yeah, and and I like kind of the fitting end that they both just kind of fall into the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but at the same Sandor time, throws I throws Gregor back into the fire. I don't after know, Gregor. Maybe it's stuff. not so much even that. Maybe it's just like Arya goes all the way there with the Hound, and then she's just told at the very last second, "Don't be like me, even though you probably killed more people than me, Arya. Don't ruin your life." I, I think that scene gets misread a lot. I feel like. It's very much because what the hound specifically says is like you're gonna die if yeah. you go to kill Cersei. Like you need to make the decision: is your is your revenge on her, on you specifically killing her, worth that yeah. being the last thing you do? Well, well also the, the fact that you know the hound is old; he's an old guy. Yeah. Like this is literally like his last hurrah. And, whereas Arya well, has a lot hound, more life to live. 
the hound is consumed by revenge. Like the hound yeah. is a, is aware of and has made peace with the fact that he's like, I'm going to kill my brother, and it's going to be the last thing I do. Yeah. Whereas he's like, Arya, is this really worth it to you? I, I think it more comes down to just the fact that she went all the way from Winterfell to King's Landing just to be told, and eh, maybe you don't need to though. Yeah, eh, this, I, I still this this bends into a, a a question I had about that segment mm-hmm. of of that episode. Sure. Uh, but first, as far as the the when Rhaegal dies, first of all, I gasped when that literally like jaw mm-hmm. dropped. The sound the sound design to- on that total is shock. pitch perfect. Yeah, I had no. Well, that's a movie. I had no idea that <laughs> it's three movies. <laughs> oh yeah, when when the bolt goes through his neck and you hear some, and you hear someone go, "Ooh, seems like everybody's got a prize." <laughs> no, uh, I and I really love how like it, it, I just want to say real quick in that in that yeah. shot, Rhaegal is like. There, there's a moment where you're like, oh, maybe he can, maybe he can get out of it. Maybe he can, it'll be all right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, I think I can put it back in from, from Tropic <laughs> Thunder. Uh, and then he just gets the arrow straight through the neck. It's like, oh yeah. God. Yeah, I was, I was genuinely shocked. And I'll put it to you this way, Alex. When I'm playing Borderlands 2 and I'm staking out a camp of baddies mm-hmm. and I've got one in my sights and they're just milling around, I can get a headshot, maybe even two. But as soon as they all know I'm there, oh man. I got to get behind a ridge or something because they're coming after me. Uh, they're hungry, and guess what? Maya's on the menu. That's right. I play Maya on Borderlands 2. Uh, the Psylocke, is that what it's called? Is great. Um, but the question I had about uh, the bells with Arya is I feel like all that thing about Cersei and Arya is because Arya becomes our lens on the ground of like right. witnessing all this carnage. Because she meets up with the girl and her mom from the beginning of the episode. Yeah. And everybody's, you know, running around. And and Arya is the character that we're following through all this so that we're witnessing the carnage on the ground, which is great. However, one one of the notes I wrote is, does it have to be Arya specifically? Like, could or should that have been Davos, um, Tyrion, Jon, somebody? Because it's not like Arya is on the ground... And she's like killing Lannister soldiers who or anything. Like John gets that moment where he saves a woman from one of his own men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like we don't. I understand why. Our, I understand like Arya's motivation, but I wonder why the show was like, oh, we want to have somebody on the ground. Let's make it Arya, yeah. because I feel like not that I, I mean I'll, I'll spend as much time with Arya as the show wants sure. me to spend time with Arya. Uh, <clears throat> but you, you see, what I'm saying like I wonder why it was her my... specifically. Because otherwise it does read, Alex, kind of like you said, like, the show went, and she goes to kill Cersei, but then she doesn't. However, I do love her goodbye to the Hound when she calls him Sandor and says thank Mm -hmm. you. Like, all of that I thought was beautiful. Right. Yeah. Um, My, I I haven't thought about this before. My take would just be that Arya is the only one who can get out of the city alive. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. At that point. Yeah. Uh, Not that I would complain about having more Davos. um, Mm -hmm. I would love to see Davos, like, parkouring around like Arya. (laughs) I, I did think that the, the... Varys shows up and then they just start. <laughs> it's like, I'm not dead. I, I, I do have to ask about the white horse at the end of episode five. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yes, it's, sir. I don't know what to make of that. Britain, that... you had a very animated reaction to that. I, wanna... I did. I, I The last note for the bells that I wrote is, do we know this horse? Because that horse, they shoot that horse. I mean, the camera looks at that mm-hmm. horse. As though it's like, it's here, her friend. 
he found her again, Nymeria. It's but and I and I was literally like, really, I was like, okay, is this the horse that she rode there? Is this am I supposed? I understand now that it was like, oh, is this Arya found her her ticket home? Right. But it it seemed like in the moment, do we know? Is this a horse? Is this Shadow Facts? Like, what is? <laughs> Gandalf just runs in, pulls her onto the horse. <laughs> <laughs> Fool of a Stark. Um. <laughs> My uh, headcanon has always been that Bran sent it, but they never confirmed this. Like, oh. I, that was what everybody kind of assumed when it happened. Is like, okay. oh, Bran must have sent this horse to try and save. But then, like, like because he could just warg into the horse, and then the horse goes on. Um, but yeah. they never bring that back up again, which I always thought was strange. I mean, I guess maybe it was something that they, an idea they had, and because I feel like that's got to be the first like conclusion to jump, like right, it, it, you know, it's like, oh, there's this horse standing in the middle of the street. Someone must have sent it. Who could have sent it through all this carnage? It must have been Bran. So I don't yeah. know. Uh, maybe I'm just reading okay. too much into it. Um, but that no, I mean, feels like all, we're I'll, missing. Yeah, I'll like take a, it. <clears throat> yeah. I feel like we're missing a conversation. I don't know. Yeah. It would have been actually very cool if Nymeria had bounded in and was just like, come on! It would have, but I talking. have no idea what that would have looked like. Like I, li- I <laughs> oh, like no. that and idea it... a lot in practice, but I just don't know. Or in theory, but I have no idea how you would make it like. <laughs> no, it, w- it wouldn't have worked. Um, I wish my, my my thoughts on Clegane Bowl is I I I see what you mean, Alex. In a way, I think what I what I would have dreamed it into being was Sandor just like beheads him, you know, or like stabs mm-hmm. him in the face and just completely obliterates him. However, there is the poetry of them both falling. It like Sandor literally faces the fire and does to his brother what his brother did to him. Right. But I also like that it's kind of a greatest hits. Like, mm-hmm. they're doing all of their moves. And then, and I like that the show's also smart enough to be like, look, the hound is great, but, like, that's a giant zombie. Like, you can't. <laughs> he's basically like, he's a robot. Re- the odds are really stacked against him. And the, the mountain's like, okay, well, I'm going to do my signature move and do the eye thing. Mm-hmm. And then you get this really nasty effect of Sandor has, like, one eye part of the way open. Also, it was that like a Darth Vader thing because the mountain's got a black helmet and then he takes it off and he kind of looks like Vader at hmm. the end of Return of the Jedi. I have never I was like, is this. this Is this all a Darth Vader? Looks like a little <laughs> Easter egg for, for me and the audience. For the old Star Wars fans, you know. For me to like el- elbow my date in the theater and be like, <laughs> gee, that's a Star Wars thing. <laughs> Why are we in a theater? Um <laughs> I uh, I do really like the fact that he pulls off his helmet and instead of the hound being like, oh, what did you, how did, what's happened? He's like, yep, that's you. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> yeah, a great, that great. reaction. Uh, <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, I uh, I liked all that. And like I said, I love an Arya. Calls him, calls him Sandor. Mm-hmm. How would you guys, as long as we're talking about this bit, How would y'all have had, I guess the better question is, would you have had Jamie and Cersei die? And if so, would it have been different from the show? Purely just in your own fantasy of it. I I mean, for me, I think it mostly works. Um, I can't yeah. think of a way I would want to change it just because I think it, it works in the sense of like, especially in the show where 
we've had Jamie with Cersei until the end of the last season. Yeah, like, I know yeah. there, there's a lot of people who think, because where we leave off in the books, it's like, oh, Jamie's burning a letter from Cersei that's telling her to come help her, and then he's writing right. away. That's that's where we leave him in the books. He's in, like, the Riverlands still. And so people are assuming that he's going to, like, break away from her. There's no guarantee that he doesn't come back because the, yeah. the entire show slash books are full of very flawed characters who can't break their worst yeah. impulses. And so, like, I feel like that works. And then I think it is pretty beautiful to have them, like, together and, and be like, we have completely failed, but you know what? Like, we've yeah. got each other. We're, you know... The, the, the fact that the show denies you the chance to um, be, like, to take any glee in Cersei dying. Like, the fact mm-hmm. that by the end she's mm-hmm. just broken. And, like, she was yeah. ultimately willing to surrender and... Uh, has just, like, she just wants this child to be born. She probably shouldn't have beheaded Masande if she wanted uh, all that good right. stuff. But still, th- we leave her, like, sobbing and alone in, in the arms of her incestuous brother lover. <laughs> uh, and we're just like, <laughs> oh, this is just a very sad woman. Um, yeah. And uh, and then they get crushed by the, the weight of the Red Keep, which I think is, like, it's good poetry. Yeah. You know, that's that's a good... yeah. I think this is a very part of the problem and part of the reaction um, overall to the series to the season is that it's a very poetic ending and not so much a cathartic ending. You don't get a lot of like F yeah. yeah. It, it's a lot right. of um, except from Cool Game Bowl, except for Cool Game Bowl, which is as it should be. Um, and you're on looking into the camera <laughs> and saying, "I'm the one who killed Jamie Lannister," as it should uh, be. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, I, I think there's a lot of very, like, quiet moments as opposed to, like, big... Yeah. Like, yeah, I know everyone wanted Cersei to, you know, get killed by Arya or get killed by Jaime or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, or get blasted by Daenerys, maybe, or something. But I think that it works as just like, oh, they just kind of, like, quietly die where nobody is even, like, nobody even knows that they're dead yet. Like, they're just... I don't know. I think, I think yeah. it works. Yeah, I think before I saw the episode, I would have wanted... And again, this is the like, oh, in the happiest, most cathartic version of this, mm. Jamie cements his status as, I, no, I, I became good right. and kills Cersei himself and is like, I don't love you anymore. <laughs> but that's not the kind of show this is. Growth isn't linear. Um, and he, I, I don't know. I, I felt the same way. I was like, but this this makes too much artistic and also practical within the show sense to like mm-hmm. really change it. Um, yeah, it would have been really cool for there to be some triumphant moment where Jamie like rebuffs her and like leaves her to die or kills her himself. But it doesn't, I, I don't know that it would have had the lasting like, Oh, but that makes more sense, which is yeah. what I think we get from, from the way it ended. Yeah. And the scene of Tyrion finding them and mm-hmm. the way D- Dinklage just totally brings it. In, in these last batch of episodes. Not that he hasn't been bringing it for <laughs> continues to bring yeah, it. for the entire series of the television program, Game of Thrones. Right. But he is so good when he finds them. And they're playing Reigns of Castamere, which is really great. Like, I found that whole segment really gorgeous. And if anything, I think it raises more questions about, did you need to have Jamie and Brienne pseudo get together? Sure. Did Jamie and Brienne need to sleep together? Because I think that's what creates this, like... I understand it creates this, like, false... This, like, red herring of, Jamie's left Cersei behind, and he's with Brienne, and, oh, that's great. And 
no, actually, he went back to Cersei, which again makes sense. But it's like, well, then why did you even have him get together with Brienne? Right. <laughs> like, which I feel I... <clears throat> that's supposed to be more for Brienne's growth yeah. and development than it is for Jamie. And it's like, oh, someone like genuinely just loves her. She doesn't have to. Yeah, she doesn't have to get with Tormund, who is like fetishizing her over here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and I would have, I would have been fine if Brienne's story didn't involve her having sex with someone sure. i would have been because like that's not the kind of character she is that's mm-hmm. not where her pride is based and i think that would have been really cool if that hadn't been the thing but also like i don't hate it <laughs> i hate yeah, that she gets hurt in the end and i think also uh something i i had forgotten um that's like the most censored sex scene on the entire show yeah um, very like yeah. they they take off each other's shirt from like you know yeah. two in, two I mean, inches below the anything. shoulder um and uh and i i quite like the fact that jamie starts to try to take off her shirt and then um she pushes him away and does it herself uh yeah and and then we just cut and we we just like visit them in the bed later and it's like okay like i think that's a very sweet yeah. way to handle that um and shows the no, fact I, that I, the, I... they have all all everyone involved in making the show has come a long way in figuring out like how to how much they want to force uh like sexual whatever into the show in order to drum up views like they've they've realized somewhere along the way and we mentioned this like in the last few episodes but they they realized somewhere along the way how to do this in a more tactful way yeah yeah i agree um and i mean and admittedly like uh missandei and gray worm sex scene Mm -hmm. is very steamy and and uh, you see a lot but but that's also romantic you know that's not just that that scene doesn't feel salacious so much as it feels like oh this is this oh oh sister here we go but it 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 doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like the cameraman is like panting as he's he's filming it you know um lascivious i guess would be a word i i literally have just one problem with with jamie's character in this batch of episodes um and this is another one that the internet has liked to throw out as as a uh, problem to be like this show is terrible because of this (laughs) um and it's when jamie is tied up and Tyrion's talking with him and jamie has the line of i've never really cared about them really um common or otherwise and he's talking about um why he's he doesn't really want to save anyone or or whatever and he's he doesn't want to be the hero um the way nikolai costa waldo plays it is almost it i think you could read it as oh he's just bluffing like he doesn't actually mean that because he's trying to sound he's trying to pull out the more charismatic side of jamie Mm. um Mm. But then Tyrion doesn't really call him on it because, like, sure. the the big reveal of Jamie's character is that he actually does care about people, and he, he that's why he killed the Mad King was because he realized he was going to burn everyone to the ground. Um, and and like I think it's as simple as Jamie has that answer or he says that, and Tyrion goes, "Yes, but we both know that's not actually true." Um, yeah. But. Yeah. Just just one line of dialogue. <laughs> and I think, for me, it works not not just because of Coster Waldo's performance, but also because, like, I think Jamie has consistently been like that throughout the show, where he kind of refuses to 
you know, let himself get emotionally attached to anyone aside from his sister. Um, and I think this also plays into the, when he's telling Bran, like, I killed my cousin and, you know, I was ready to kill everybody at River Run uh, for Cersei and, like, I'm hateful just like her. And it's like, no, you're not really. Like, you're, you are a better person than Cersei. Like, uh, I mean, you, you, you're not necessarily a good person. You, you mm-hmm. can be awful and cruel, but, like, you've, you've grown. Like, you, right. you have learned things throughout this, the course of this show. Um, and I think, uh, to your point, it, it would be good to have somebody call him on that um and and make it explicit that it's like oh no he's he is self-sabotaging here he's not yes you know it, it's not quite that straightforward um i think a lot of that comes through in in Waldo's performance but i i agree that it could the fact that so many people like don't feel like that happened or don't feel like that's how you're supposed to read it i think is enough argument to be like maybe you, maybe it was uh, it was not quite enough for us to buy it. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think Jamie is really well handled. And I like, you know, yeah. I remember being kind of disappointed by it initially because I found, I thought the idea of him being the one to kill Cersei, I actually found that really interesting. But mm-hmm. I do like the idea that, that not all these characters, like, you know, we have our traditional character arc of a character, you know, meeting a situation that causes them to change or, or to refuse mm-hmm. to change. And Jamie's mostly been a character that refuses to change. Um, and particularly, like you said, Tyler, I like the fact that he's a person that kind of relapses. He goes mm-hmm. back to his, his darkest yeah. impulses. Um, but that's ultimately the thing he cares about the most. So it's, it's tragic. Yeah. Um, I don't know. All, all that worked for me. And I, I think that helped to make it a bit more nuanced and less, I don't know, simple or, or like w- w- what you would expect. Yeah. Um, and especially the fact that we get Brienne filling out his, uh, Kingsguard. Yeah. Uh, historical injury. Yeah. At the end. That's, that's beautiful. The fact that she is like wonderful. I agree. Ultimately. I understand. Like he was a very complicated, sometimes horrible person. I understand like why he, why he was the way that he was. I'm going to redeem him in the eyes of, of history. Like that's, now, if we could yeah. just get rid of that rape scene from season four oh, yeah. or two, whenever it happened. Four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have no control who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Um, there you go. I, I also want to mention, she's not in, she doesn't get as much as you might expect in this season, but Lena Headey does so much with so mm-hmm. little in, by way of dialogue. Like, in The Bell, she doesn't say that much yeah but she does so much with just her face and like when she and jamie are together i mean cersei's obviously a despicable character i don't think she's the most hateable character on game of thrones personally she was not my most hated character that was a little guy called Littlefinger. Mm-hmm. but um i understand a lot of people hate cersei and blah blah blah, blah. Lena Headey's amazing on this show <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah it, it is such a brilliant performance she is so good Every single step. And, and and I think the key to a character like that is not sim- being sympathetic, but being understandable. Yeah. And that the, the writing and the, and the performer were able to make us go, oh, I know why Cersei's doing the things she's doing. I don't agree with her, but I understand her. And that's, yeah. such, a, that's such a necessary thing. And like you said, I kind of like that she doesn't get a big sensationalized death. Yeah. Like that it's more just like, look, Cersei's had a terrible life. 
you know, I'm not saying she's a good person, but she's had a terrible life and a quiet death. Like we don't need to have this rah rah moment where mm-hmm. like <laughs> Varus's ghost shows up and just completely decimates <laughs> her. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm ultimately we did, fine with all of that. <laughs> look, look, what we needed was the moment where Arya confronts Cersei. Cersei starts shooting lightning at her and saying, "I am all the Lannisters," <laughs> and then Arya goes, "And I am all the Starks." <laughs> like that's what we needed, right? Exactly. I think that would have improved things drastically, for sure. Um, I, Who I, are I you? Do kind of, I'm I'm no one, no one Skywalker. <laughs> I do like the idea of Melisandre in the Seven Heavens or whatever running into Stannis, and Stannis goes, "Did you see? I killed the Night King." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was awesome. (laughs) Um, When Arya, so I I I really like the way our Starks end. That John gets to hang out with all his wildling friends, and Sansa's in where she belongs in a place of authority. I like that the last spoken words in the show are Queen of Queen in the North. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. But, and Arya goes off to adventure. But she has this line where she's like, what's west of Westeros? And there was part of my brain that went, well, Essos, eventually. <laughs> Arya, I mean, everything's, in, everything's next to everything if you go Geography, in one direction Arya. long enough. I, I think that's the thing that I thought was the, the most guilty of the, the complaint that people have of like, foreshadowing is an actual like character building or storytelling like it, it that's not effectively building this up um because she's only mentioned that once before yeah. she and it's mentioned that pretty to late the, the actress uh lady crane yeah because that's two ago. yeah season six yeah end of season six and so it's like yeah and uh, it's yeah. literally like one line yeah yeah and it but i also think like i don't know what would be next for aria like yeah She's a traveler. She's an adventurer. She's not gonna. She's literally traveled all over. The, the I seven think, kingdoms. yeah, thematically it works, and yeah, in the sense that a she's traveled, yeah. and b like season four ends with this really triumphant uh, scene of her sailing off into the into the horizon, right. not really knowing where she's yeah. going. And so I think that there is like stuff in her character that works for that. It would be nice if she externalized a little more, like why she wants to go out and do this thing. So. Yeah, but I also feel like it, it wouldn't have made any sense for her to just stay in Winterfell. You right. know, as she said three times, that's not me. Well, I, but I also, mean, I, I wouldn't want her to go and be like, I'm going to become an assassin. Like, I don't want right. you to be an assassin, are you? I want you to be an adventurer. Everyone's well, dead. I don't have to be an assassin anymore. <laughs> well, also, one one thing to think about was she she was going to, to King's Landing expecting to die. Sure. Like, she says that she's like, I don't yeah. think I'm coming back. Um, so just just thinking about it, like... Okay, what what happens to a person after you 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 kind of go through that experience and you survive? Mm-hmm. Now it, she's trying to find a like, new purpose. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like Flynn Rider said: you find a new dream. Indeed, <laughs> a dream of spring. Thank you. The title of George R. R. Martin's forthcoming seventh A Song of Ice and Fire novel, uh, which will come after the forthcoming Winds of Winter. Uh, yep. I, I did have yep. a question. We'll have it in Tyler, a few weeks. Regarding the Night King being taken out. Is winter not happening now? Is that just not a thing anymore? There's a sprout uh, in the peeking out of the snow, like the Huns in Mulan. Uh, <laughs> when the wildlings are riding off, there's like a little Neat. sprout. Yeah. No, no, because um, I'm just. 
I, I think I talked about this before. I was a little yep. disappointed how like King's Landing wasn't just like covered in snow. Mm-hmm. And I know like once Daenerys kind of burns everything to the ground, it's like raining ashes. Right. And so that kind of simulates the effect of snow. So I guess I kind of got it. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I thought that was I, – I don't think that's stated real clearly if it's like, oh, you killed the Night King. Winter is no longer a thing. You solved right. the environmental crisis we were facing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't think the problem is that. <laughs> um, I think I think it's that we have too little cold. The, the climate change analysis only goes so far um, I, uh, when it comes to I night. would. Yeah, do you no, guys no. think that people from King's Landing and people from Winterfell have that that argument that, like, northerners and southerners do in America where it's like, you guys don't know what snow is like. You don't really know <laughs> what it's like to be cold. Oh, it's like 60 degrees, and you're like, well, oh, what do I do? You can play a Clegane Bowl up north. You're not going to last 10 minutes. Can't last in the, the snow in, in Packers Green Bay Stadium. <laughs> what I, I, know, I should know what the Packers Stadium is called, but I cannot think of it right now. So you know what? We're going to move on. It's um, called, I believe it's called the Big Cheese Wedge. It's called the Big, the big Cheese Wedge, correct. The Big Cheese Wedge. Are you sure it's not just called Clegane Bowl? I think it's called Cocaine Ball Stadium. <laughs> no, it's actually. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm trying to see if there's anything else. Well, let's talk about Varys. I, I didn't know mm-hmm. or had forgotten that one of my favorite characters on the TV show Game of Thrones died. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, and he was so I, close. That's that's another kind of thing that people like to make fun of because uh, Britain. I don't know if you've seen the clips or watched any of the documentary about the making of the last season. Um, no, but I, I mean to watch the documentary. There's there's a, a kind of a final script read, a table read, um, and Conleth Hill is like visibly disappointed and like frustrated when he's reading the lines for his death scene, and he he's like mm. visibly upset. Um, yeah, and I think a lot of people are reading, like everything else, they're reading too much into it, probably. Yeah. Um, cause sure. it's probably just like, oh, he's super upset cause it's his character's death scene. Um, yeah. but I, I think a lot of people read that as, oh, he thinks it's like a bad scene. They think it's bad writing. Yeah. Right. And, and it's the same. I mean, um, there's also a clip of Jon Snow and Daenerys reading the, their Daenerys's death scene. Um, and John being like, no, what is that? Like, well, the, well, the Kit problem Harington is Kit like, Harrington clearly has not read it. Exactly. Like, he, he's looking at it with fresh eyes, and he's like, oh, my God, I killed Daenerys. And yeah. Amelia Clark's just, like, visibly uncomfortable because she's like, yeah. oh, you just <laughs> found out that you she, murder me? <laughs> well, she she is, and she's also, like, looking at him really sadly and, like, yeah. being like, yep, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and there's a lot of great interviews. Uh, I've, I think I've I've mentioned it four episodes running. Um, there's a book, official, like, behind-the-scenes book called Fire Cannot Kill a Dragon. There's a lot of great interviews with all of them, and they're all, like, yeah, I mean, like, I was shocked when I read it, and, like, I couldn't, like, it. you know, this is a character I love, and, like, I had to process this. And, Spent and, nearly a decade with this person. Internalize it and figure out, like, how I'm going to do this. Um, but none of them are, like, <laughs> it was yeah. a bad decision. They're all, like, it, it makes sense that we went there, but, like, it was very hard on me to, like, because I am so attached yeah. to this character. And you can have that moment of, like, shock and dismay, and then later go... Oh, okay, I get it now. Now that I've thought about it, it makes sense. And yeah. Conleth Hill like, especially has, like, joked about joked around about, like, you know, the backlash to Season 8 a lot. Like, he, he specifically is definitely yeah. not, like, 
a hater of, of season eight sure, or D yeah. or whatever. Well, and I think that, um, like Kit Harrington had even said, like when he, he was initially frustrated that John didn't kill the night King, but he was like, I mean, I'm happy for Maisie Williams. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a great thing for her. Cause like, I, I, I feel like Kit Harrington, cause Kit Harrington was one of the few people who like read that had read the books before they made the show. Right. And I, I don't know these people. I'm not going to speak for them, but he seems like a pretty chill dude. I doubt yeah. he's going home. Like I didn't get to kill the night King. <laughs> Like is he gonna is he gonna go home to his amazing wife and like be sad about the TV show? <laughs> hey, probably, wife, who this TV fun. show gave me, who I, I would not I, have I, met. I, I met you and fell in love with you working on this incredible thing, but I'm so mad that I didn't kill the blue man. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, "So I guess you do nothing, Jon Snow." Oh, oh my god! Um, back to Varys. Uh, yes. I, I think this is one of kind of the, the centerpieces of, of kind of my frustrations with, with the, some of the pacing of the show, mm-hmm. kind of how quick it is. I think he turns on Daenerys real quick. I yeah. it, it is there. Like, it does make sense if you're paying attention to the right. scenes, if you're watching, like, him v- seeing her visibly upset that she, she's not getting attention and love from everyone in the room. And then also kind of just everything else. Basically, anytime Varys is around well, her, she says something or does something that's not very yeah. kingly and or I queenly think, in this case. Um, so and I, I do think, agree with your your pacing issues, and I will, I, I'll, I'll let you continue. But I do want to say there is a scene specifically also where he's like, Hey, Daenerys, you told me to call you out if I think you're making yeah. a mistake. I'm calling you out. And then she does not listen to him. Like She's right. like, no, I'm angry at you for saying that. Right. And um, I think it's fair. And also, I, I I I would like to rescind a comment I made in the previous episode because I I was I had talked about how kind of disappointed I was with how John's parentage is handled. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had completely forgotten how that plays into Varys and Tyrion kind of turning right. on her. Um, I guess more of my kind of frustration about that was just like it doesn't. Once again, going back to the fact that we don't hear about what the commoners are thinking during a lot of this season, um, I, I was when I was watching it the first time, I was like, "Oh, that's going to be widespread, and that's going to cause problems, and, and like everyone's just going to reject her outright because of this." And it's like there's the threat that that's going to happen, but it never gets that far because she kills Varys. <laughs> right. Um, I, I do have questions about like, I don't know, I, I'm not sure how I feel about just kind of him being at Dragonstone trying to poison her instead of just, like, getting out of Dodge. And I know he probably wants to be close by, and he probably thinks his days are numbered regardless. And even if he does leave, you know, she's going to see that as a sign of treason, and she's going to send someone after him. (laughs) Um, And and he's just like, oh, my last hope is just trying to convince John, and obviously that doesn't work. Um so I, I I don't know if you can kind of improve that or make that better or, or, or have the transition feel, um, you know, I, pacing-wise feel better. I don't know. I really think, uh, like, again, going back to that, like, the fact that the, the back half, not even back, the back, like, third of episode four and then, then that first third of episode five, um, it really feels like, and especially getting into that crunch of, like, they're on the Iron Fleet, Euron shows up, kills Rhaegal, Daenerys flies off. They start blowing up the uh, Daenerys' ships with the harpoons. 
Uh, we get Tyrion gets a fun little one one uh, shot scene where he's running around trying to avoid these harpoons. That's kind of fun. But then he jumps off, and then everyone just kind of pops up on shore. Masande has now been taken by Euron somehow. I, I, I don't. Yeah, that's, I don't that's, understand the logistics of that. That's kind um, of flimsy as well. And I don't know what shore they're on. Like I don't think they're close to Dragonstone. I don't know how they get back to. Oh, I thought yeah. the idea was they were at Dragonstone because uh, there's, maybe there's, so. No, no, because there's a shot of Daenerys flying uh, Drogon around, and and we do see Dragonstone. Okay. Well, then, in that case, I have at least less problems with Euron ambushing them because well, my, my question they would not then, expect Euron to pop up. Well, my question is then, why, do, why doesn't mm-hmm. Euron then lay siege to Dragonstone? Sure. Because they just kind of... I guess I guess it, maybe they, Dragonstone seems self-sustaining enough that they don't need to... I don't know. Um, they, he want, they figure there will be a counterattack, and they want to go back to protect King's Landing now that they've uh, laid a critical blow on Daenerys' armies. I don't know. Um but, uh, yeah, I feel like that all turns really, really quickly. And then, basically, Varys is telling Tyrion, all right, I'm going to do a treason. You can tell her if, <laughs> if, you, if you feel like you need to, but this is what I'm doing. Um, As and Lindsay I think... Ellis says, tis the season for some treason. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, I... I think there needs to be a little bit more there. And, like, if you could break this again into, like, three separate episodes, maybe you add, like, just five or ten minutes onto each one, make them, like, good, good chunky, uh, you know, 58, 59-minute episodes um, instead of having to try and stretch them out into two 80-minute ones or whatever. I think it would be very easy to add a little bit there to connect all, these, all this tissue. Because um, I do feel like right now... And again, this is what I'm talking about with Varys' treason happening over the course of these two, like, chunks of episodes. Is that, like, you could have an episode that's just, this is the story of how Varys ends up betraying her while everything is unraveling around her. Right. And it ultimately mm-hmm. ends with the Daenerys burning him. And that's like, all right, we've made the turn. This is a problem. Things are getting, are yeah. about to get real bad next week. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think yeah. you need to do... I think you can make it pace so much better if you do something like that. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, I, my, my kind of final notes on the Varus thing, like, I, yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. It totally made sense, and and that's how you would would do it. I I really like that you don't hear him scream mm-hmm. though when the when the fire hits him. I like that either the editing just gives us that clemency or. Varys is too cool. And he was like, he, whatever. Oh, the Lysa Aaron of flames is coming. Oh, no. He, he forced ghosts away. He just... <laughs> That's the thing. He was astral projecting into that. The real Varys is, is in Astapor or whatever. He, like, opens his eyes. There's a, we didn't, none of us watched the post credit scene where he opens his eyes next to Illyrio and he's like, so anyway... <laughs> But I, I really loved the shot where Daenerys is talking to him and she's, like, standing in front of this, like, almost a negative space blackness. Like, it's so dark. Mm-hmm. And then you just see Drogon's head kind mm-hmm. of show up behind her. is so good. Well, it, I, I wrote a, a note that in... I was just going to say, it's supposed to be in the same location where Melisandre was burning people alive, right? Uh, oh, I hadn't wow. even thought of that, but I think you're right. Yeah. And I think That's she's awesome. wearing red in that. that scene as well, so... Hmm. Ooh. 
Uh, well, I just noted that in the last ep- I think I think the final episode is beautifully shot. There are some gorgeous images in that, particularly uh, involving Drogon. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a bit where Daenerys is like walking out to greet her her, her people, and right. you see his wings open as though they're her wings. Yeah, which has now become was like, kind of a meme. Like, I think people uh, ran yeah, with that people as, like, make a fun of thing. that, and it's like, oh, like, yeah, it's, it's a, a pretty cool, cool image. Pretty cool image. I don't oh, know. That was great. Yeah. Well, and then there's, like, when John's walking in to see her, the snow starts shaking because Drogon got snowed on, and he's like, yeah. it's me, Drogon. I thought all that was, I thought it was just a beautiful-looking episode of mm-hmm. TV. Oh. Ghost lost an ear. He did. He did? Just That's like John. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and Fred Weasley, or whichever one that was. <laughs> yeah. Um, I... I like that there was all this problem in the fandom that John wasn't sad enough when he said goodbye to Ghost in a previous episode. And so then they had him pet Ghost in this one. Mm-hmm. And then people were happy about it. Well, they didn't. I mean, like, it was already, like, it, it, that thing, <laughs> that was so frustrating to watch live because, every yeah, everyone, like, lost their minds. They're like, he didn't pet Ghost. What are they doing with yeah. John? This is, when it's like, the whole point is he's rejecting who he is to go south he goes through right. this trauma of of killing someone he loves and then he's coming back north and he's finally embracing who he is like it's it's done for a re- they, it, that was on purpose yeah. it was not there was not like well, i think a... i'd also i think i'd also read something that it was like oh yeah the dire wolves like all the visual effects involved in that they they couldn't do it well because so much of whatever episode he didn't pet him in was also like look we gotta have him pet the dragon like there's all these dragons and stuff Hmm. like maybe it was time and money we couldn't do so it it was that reason as well and also oh it's more cost effective if we just we can we we can make this work thematically and financially so we'll go into this we'll just have him pet him later it's just but it's just because like obviously they did not have time to turn around and then insert that in yeah. You know, like, but, but people did think they were like, oh, they just they were just responding to our criticism. And right. It's like, like no. this this episode came out two weeks after. They don't have yeah. time for that. <laughs> they're gonna go. They're gonna go find Kit Harrington. Grow your beard back out. We'll get the bring costume Tormund back. Bring Tormund back. Yeah. We'll get the CGI crew to do it in a week. It'll be fine. Yeah. That's not Kit how Harrington's it works. Like, I'm not doing a last minute reshoot if there's no shawarma. I know the deal. <laughs> I'm about to join the MCU anyway with my friend Richard Madden. So. Um, They're both going to be in the Eternals, and I'm excited. I still have problems with John and Daenerys being in love. Um, I still don't think that relationship works super well. Uh, Yeah. However, the scene after... um, Is it after Melis... Or not Melisandre. Missandei... No, no, it's after Viserys. Or Viserys. It's too many names! (laughs) Um, after Man. Varys gets burned alive, Daenerys is, is like coming on to John and is like, "Oh, hey, let's 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 be together." And John's <laughs> just like, "You burned a man alive," <laughs> and, and she's like, "Okay, I'll burn everyone to the ground then. Yeah. If I'm not going to get laid, <laughs> no one can." You you burned a man alive, and also you're my aunt. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot there. I think that might have been the most effective scene of the two of them together. Sure. <laughs> Well, I, I definitely feel like 
I found their relationship more rushed than her madness, quote unquote. Yeah. Like, but also like, I, I can deal with it. Um, I think a lot I of it comes a... down to, I was just going to say real quick. I, I think it comes down to like, it's, it's the chemistry between them, but it's also just the fact that they're not like, it, it's not, it's fun to watch like Sam interact with people and Gilly interact with people. So when we put yeah. Sam and Gilly together, that's a fun relationship. And there are characters yeah. who are fun and that are, are like we enjoy. I mean, the same would go for Missandei and Grey Worm or like other characters that I've, I've gotten together. Um, and Daenerys and John are both very like, I mean, they're the most like typical protagonist in a lot of ways in terms of like the way they act and, and like the way people interact with them. Like they don't really generate a lot of fun i guess like other people they yeah. they bounce off other people and other people bounce off them like they're the straight men basically i mean yeah. of their perspective like yeah. crews and so like when you put them together they mostly are talking about plot and logistics and like yeah there's not a lot of them just like there, there's not a lot of of ways to make them like be delightful together or like make yeah. us like really buy yeah and then they get together at a time in the show where we just have to go we just have to tell this story yeah. whereas a lot of these other character relationships started where there's a little more room to breathe a little exactly. more time for like oh we can just have these characters hanging out there's not as much of that luxury for dinner and i will say i will say uh both characters have shown a propensity to uh have sex with someone like within a month of meeting them so eh, that's you know, true it is, <laughs> that's it is true. precedent that's true it does make me wonder yeah, if, if they had gone with he just respects her so much and is just wants to be loyal to her as opposed to it's a romantic relationship. Sure. And I know they they thematically need to tie in kind of John's whole thing of love is the death of duty. Right. Um, but I, I don't I don't know if at this point in the show if they needed that or I don't know. It, it's tough. Yeah. Um do you, do you guys feel that John's sort of blind faith in Daenerys, does that jive with the rest of his character for you? Did I ever feel like, John, at this point, I mean, ultimately he does put her away for the better, the good of people. But, like, I had that question I was watching, and I was, I was like, I don't know, literally just quite wondering, I, I wonder if I buy this, that he is this ferociously devoted to her that he's going as far as he goes I... before he finds I would say yes to reference his egret, his relationship with egret in a, in a non-joking way. Um, yeah, they were. He was like he wanted to reunite with her on the midst of a battlefield, and <laughs> like he was looking That's at her, and true. she's pointing That's an arrow true. at his head, uh, and he's like egret. Um, yeah, and he it, he does like idealize people important to him yes. a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And okay, so I yeah, feel that, like no, that, it's the combination of that and also, like, he doesn't want to have the responsibility of fixing things. Like, he he is constantly sure. just like, I just want to be alone and enjoy myself. Like, I'm doing these things because I feel like I have to because they are my duty. Um, yeah. And, and so I think there's a lot of that where he – and it plays into the fact that that is his ultimate choice. Is he has to kill somebody because it seems to be the, for the good of, you know, the entire – country world etc um and like it, he's the only one who can do it and like he has to take that responsibility upon himself uh i i think for me that works pretty well um again it would work better if they had 
some more chemistry or if they've been able to set that up longer. I don't know how you do sure. that because you can't really have them like <laughs> they can be pen pals. Right. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, yeah, I, yeah, I, I totally get all that. Arya's line where she says, I know a killer when I see one as she's looking at Daenerys walking away was a little silly. See, the part about that scene that I thought was a little silly is that she's just suddenly next to Jon. (laughs) Jon just turns and it's like, oh, oh, there she is. (laughs) I I guess at that point, I I don't know if she's kind of ran out of masks to use, but I, I feel like possible. Arya could have easily just kind of snuck in and killed Daenerys if she really wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Well, she she's clearly got her, like, teleport skill maxed out. <laughs> she's got the... Yeah, um, I there's probably a relevant Batman Arkham skill you could, you could put in here, you know? Kind yeah. Of a, I'm thinking of a... There's like a sh- I think it's like a Shadow of Mordor thing full, you can do. Fully upgraded grappling hook, etc. <laughs> her detective vision's um, on the fritz. So she can't Speaking see of walls. Mary Sue's, sure. Uh, and if you tap the R three trigger, you, you like go into like uh, uh, faceless man vision, and you can <laughs> it outlines like collectibles and uh, mission markers and stuff. There you go. Uh, Bran has a line in episode four where he says, "You shouldn't envy me. Mostly, I live in the past." And I was like, "That is a biting commentary on nostalgia." <laughs> <laughs> Bran does not like these new Star Wars movies. <laughs> oh. Bran is coming after us. Wow. I, I did want to ask about kind of the, the, the final decisions that are made during that council meeting. Because um, yeah, like I said, yeah, I think overall it's, it's a very well done scene. And I kind of like the poignancy of all of the stuff has happened. All of these people have died. Power has changed hands so many times. And ultimately, we just make one little tweak to the system. It's not like mm-hmm. you break the wheel. It's not like a massive overhaul. It's like all of this stuff happened. We elect the king now, but not just that. We we, we do like a a, a republic type deal where where uh, several uh, uh, selected figures or, or not even selected because they're they're just kind of powerful families. Yeah. But they're the ones that vote on the king. And. And especially yeah. the fact that, yeah, like... Yeah, the Electoral College is a great idea. That's a good point, Alex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, fine. You said it more eloquently than no, no, I no. did. Okay, points for Britain. Ultimately, the <laughs> fact that, like... Yeah, I mean, uh, as as you say, we're left with uh, Jan Royce and uh, Sweet Robin and Edmure Tully <laughs> and... Uh, Tyler, like, if you had stuck to calling him Sweet Robin for all of these episodes... <laughs> whatever. Uh, Robin in that whole scene, by the way, is just a... <laughs> I wrote, Robin is a sassy little teen without his breast milk, isn't he? <laughs> Man. I, you, uh, you weaned that kid, and he was just all like, mm, whatever. <laughs> um, I was going to say... You know that dude's got caution tape on his like, bedroom door. <laughs> No girls allowed. <laughs> um, I f- basically it's just the most like sad collection of like none of these people know what they're doing. Yeah. Like they're not. Yeah. None of them have been like a part of the political conversation. And I think that's fitting. Like that makes sense. That this is who we're left mm-hmm. with because like everyone else is dead. Um, yeah. I think Howlin' Reed is there, which is neat. Um, sure. 
they don't confirm it, but he's sitting between. Oh, I forget who's sitting on the very end. Who? Because there's Edmure, and there's oh right, I know about someone else. There's Sam is down there too. Yes, Sam and Edmure um, are are sitting there, and in between them is a guy who is like the second or third person to ratify. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll vote for Bran, which makes sense if it's the Howland Reed. Mira Reed has told them about, and yep. Helen Reed, by the way, Alex, I, I should probably also clarify for listeners in general. Um, in the book, there is this whole thing where, like, he may be one of the only people who has. Oh, what is it? Um, I think Rob legitimizes John Stark, John Snow, or something like that, um, or, or tries Maybe. to. There's some I cannot remember what it is, and it's going to bother me. There's some missive like letter that Rob sends out that's like supposed to be very important. Um, and like it's an official document of, of something and he sends it out and then I think maybe one of the car Starks has one and then uh, one of the other ones is supposed to go to Howland Reed as like a secret keeper type thing I don't really know I do not remember enough about this to like speak to it but it's Howland Reed is somehow important and he's also the guy who saves Ned from Arthur Dane at the Tower of Joy um and so, like, it's... Yeah, and, yeah, he's, like, the only other person who might know about John's true parentage. Like, aside from our... Is that what it is? Okay. Is somehow yeah. he... Or at least in, within the show that he might... Because he was there with Ned, right. so Ned might have come back down right. and been like, um, I had a bastard while I was gone. Right. <laughs> or he might have just explained to him, hey, this is what just happened. Yeah, Howland Reed's, like, a pretty major... It, it, He's like a major figure who never actually needs to be on screen. Yeah, he is. He has not appeared in the books aside from that flashback, and there's not really like an official yeah. flashback to that, that in that way. Um, and and yeah, so it's neat that he's there, and it, I think that's a nice little touch if, if that's supposed to be him, because then it's like, oh, he would, you know, he's kind of stacking the odds for Bran if he's one of the first. If he's like being like, oh, look, I guess everyone else is voting for Bran, I will too. Like if if he's pushing for the influence yeah. and getting people on board with the choice. Um, well, now, this is all. He also has a Howland Reed is a great name. Um, sure. like, that's a genuinely very cool name. So, a friend of mine posed this to me when when the show ended, and I've I've been thinking about it a lot. The theory that all of this was the Three Eyed Raven's plan, <laughs> or that like the Three Eyed Raven is at least, is, is engineering this to some degree, and that. Because there's the whole thing where Tyrion says something about, like, Bran, if you would accept being king or if you'd want it, and Bran says, there's, like, a long pause, and he says, why do you think I came all this way? Yeah. And it's like, that's an interesting thing to say, yep. Bran. And it's like, we're never really, it's never dis- distinguished that the Three-Eyed Raven is good or bad or neutral, just like, he's, the Three-Eyed Raven is just a thing you can be, I guess. Right. <laughs> it's just a psychic. But is this actually a really terrible ending where it's like, yeah, the master, because in that last conversation, Bronn has all these, he's like refusing all of, I mean, potentially jokingly refusing funding for all these important things, but I'll fund brothels. Is all of this, the three-eyed raven being like, I'm going to put people, I'm the currency will be controlled by someone who cannot be trusted with <laughs> currency. I am taking over Westeros. And wh- whether he engineered all this stuff with the, the the Night King, and or I don't know about that, but it may just all have been I'm I'm going to orchestrate events and come down and try to take control of Westeros by becoming this this boy. 
I or taking over this. I feel like that's one of those. It's not a perfect theory, but I want. I feel like that's one of those theories that only works if you like are reading the Wikipedia plot. (laughs) I feel like there's nothing in the show that indicates this is a bad thing, and also like Tyrion and Bran have explicitly, like they're going back to. um, Is it episode two of this season, or was it last season? I don't remember. Um, there's a conversation Tyrion and Bran have where Tyrion specifically like, hey, you must have a good story. Let's talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. That I think is very much supposed to imply like, oh, Tyrion, Tyrion is already thinking ahead here. Like he, yeah. you know, this is something that's, that is maybe like a contingency plan in his mind. Um, and so, I, I don't know, to me that feels... Because the, the, the other thing is that when Bran says, why do you think I came all this way... Tyrion kind of looks confused for a second, and then he looks very, like, determined. Like, he's like, oh, this is a good idea. Like, this guy does know, yeah. like, you know, this guy's confident. He believes he can he can help. There's nothing in the way it's that decision is played or the way that Bran talks later on when he is king that implies that we're at all supposed to take this as a bad thing, is, okay. is my overall sure. point. Like, I just, I don't see any reading of, like, anything in the show other than the fact mm-hmm. that you can infer well maybe because he's all-knowing it's a bad thing i don't know well and he's had these lines about he's like i'm not even brand anymore like i'm this other thing but is that literal or what have you yeah it it, it's i think it's a better theory than the theory that Tyrion is a targaryen sure (laughs) that i think is is silly um and more about the books anyway but uh but yeah that that one is i didn't ultimately buy into it but i'm like that's kind of an interesting thought um, why I, li- I really like the Drogon destroys the throne that's great why doesn't he attack Jon do you guys think because Jon's a Targaryen yeah I mean there is that oh I, right and yeah I think it's I, for me I think it's just like again the dragon's the dragon's smart like he he understands that like the you know Daenerys was consumed by this obsession with the throne sure all the stuff, you know, the, like he is able to, I think, perceive that John was not an enemy, but that I don't know. I, I the Targaryen okay. thing definitely helps. <laughs> I would argue. Yeah, no, no, that um, totally like, but that didn't like break uh, the moment for me. But I, I thought I, that was interesting. I feel like the, you can read into the fact that the dragon, if the dragon is able to perceive enough to think, I'm going to burn the throne. I feel like it makes sense that he would understand mm. that John is not really like an evil person or, or trying to hurt. Sure. Him. I guess he did hurt Daenerys, but... He gets yeah. it. Okay. Man, he gets it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that. And I always liked the, uh, like, the promo poster where the dragon's head is also the Iron Throne. I thought that was a cool one. Um, Edmure is very funny when he stands up to try to give his little speech. What you know he's building up to. I'll do it. I'll be king. <laughs> and they <laughs> shut him down. It's so good. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any other, like, major... What did you guys think of Euron's involvement at the... Like, I don't think... I think it would have been just fine if he had tried to fight Jamie and Jamie just, like, one-handed beheads him or something. That would be pretty good. Because, like, I I don't... I do quite like their fight. I think it's a well-done little fight where they're, they're getting into a brawl and stabbing each other. Um... It's just, yeah, it doesn't. It's just kind of like okay, sounds good. Euron, Euron, Euron sucks. I think uh, <laughs> he's he's the worst character on the show. So, 
It just, I, I, I don't. I, just, I don't. It felt I don't like kind the of... cut of his jib. I don't like the the goofy uh, uh, leather pants he's wearing. Like it's it's all just ridiculous. Um, he, he feels like he's he he just needs like a, a really large blonde wig to be like from an eighties hair metal band. You know. Mm, yeah. And once again, possible He looks directly into camera with his last line, and I'm like. Can we get one more take where he just tones it down a little bit? <laughs> well, I, I, it just felt weird to me that he stabs Jamie mortally, but then that's not what kills Jamie yeah. in the end. And it doesn't seem to really, it doesn't seem to be like, oh, I wounded Jamie, and so he wasn't able to get out in time. It's like no, I think Euron is very much just like. I believe I killed Jamie Lannister, so I'm going right, to die right. believing but I mean, killed Jamie Lannister. I mean, for the show, it's, it's just, all that is just so weird. It's one last obstacle for Jamie. To, also, you know? yeah, yeah. Also, I think we're forgetting that that Euron is just like bravely boasting. He's like, "I had sex with Cersei." No, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Jamie, you know, when he's going to find her, he'd be like, "Quick question, though." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that Jamie kills him. It just felt like. I don't know why Jamie had to be stabbed, but yeah. also it doesn't really matter because it's not what like it kills him. So, um, hmm, uh, uh, is a knight. That's indeed. awesome. I I have I feel like I still have quite a few uh, random notes. Nothing nothing Please, big. Yeah. I think uh, I can try and go through them rapid fire here. Uh, if, if we don't have any it. other big topics to touch on. Um, I... The scene where Daenerys makes Gendry at Lord of Storms Inn is very much like uh, Daenerys is, is like, hey, Gendry, I got you a laptop for Christmas. And Gendry's like, I got you a Barnes & Noble <laughs> gift card. I don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <what do> I... <laughs> like, he's just so confused and everyone's so like, oh, good for Gendry. Like, everyone's very oh, like taken yay. aback by Daenerys offering this to him. I don't know. I thought that was fun. Yeah, Which I think, it. I mean, it all works like that. I just think that was a funny scene. No, 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 no um, for sure. Uh, there's a lot of fun stuff in the conversations in Winterfell that would probably just be me repeating things that I liked, so I won't uh, get too into it. Um, uh, I like the fact that John um, he has a conversation with Daenerys in Winterfell where Daenerys is like, you can't tell Sansa and Arya about who you really are because that's going to have an effect on, on my claim of the throne. Like that's going to affect everything. People are going to try and push for your claim, which is a hundred percent true. Daenerys is, is practical in this sense. She does understand that this is a problem. Um, and I like that John again, d- can't just be like, well, okay, I'll, I'll try. I, I won't. And then like later tells, he's like, no, I'm going to tell him <laughs> it's going to be fine. I promise. <laughs> um, that seems great. Cause he's like, it's him and Arya and Brandon songs. And they're talking. He goes, I need to tell you something. Bran, tell them. <laughs> it's like, well, John, okay. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and I do, I do like that scene, though, because Bran uh, is like, he looks at Bran after um, he's, like, struggling whether or not to tell Sansa and Arya, and Bran's mm-hmm. like, it's your choice. And Bran yeah. doesn't just, uh, he's not spilling secret. He's He ain't no snitch, mm-hmm. you know? He's going to be a good king because <laughs> he ain't no snitch. Um, <laughs> uh, I really... <laughs> 
it's it's kind of silly, but I kind of also love the scene when Braun shows up and it's just like, look, Tyrion, Jamie, your sister is trying to pay me to kill you. I want Highgarden. What are you doing? Just like, I'm not helping you here. Just like, promise me you'll give me some, some good stuff. And I won't kill you. And then I'm going. <laughs> uh, I think that's a yeah, good, that's I think that's good. in character. Um, uh, the... The last scene with him, with him, with John and Sam and uh, Gilly. Oh my mm-hmm. lord! Where uh, Gilly's like, yeah. uh, oh, if it's a John realizes that Gilly's pregnant, and she's like, oh, if it's a, a boy, we want to name him John. And then the way Kit Harrington delivers the line, I hope it's a girl, where he's got this kind of like smirk and he's tearing up a little bit. It's it's beautiful, yeah. like it's tear jerking. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, well, and talk about real life relationships. I think that Harrington and John Bradley are like really close friends. Mm, in I believe real it. Life, that they're like really tight. Because I know John Bradley, Conan O'Brien did like a big interview with a ton of members of the cast and everything. And Bradley had this beautiful monologue about what Sam meant to him and how much it meant to John Bradley that, you know, they let him be on this show that all the things that he was insecure about and hated himself for were the things that they wanted him. They, those were the reasons they wanted him to play Sam and that, and then he talks about like that working with Kit Harrington was this incredible experience. And like Kit Harrington just looks very serious and he, he like high, like grabs his hand and it's really beautiful. And it's, I really love all the scenes with John and Sam and every time they hug, I'm like, that's a, those are like real friends Mm. hugging though. Like that's a, (laughs) That's a real thing, and I like. Next note. Uh, yes. Do people who hate the choice that Jamie makes also hate that Frodo puts on the ring when he gets to Mount Doom? It's just a philosophical <laughs> question. Because, like, it's the same. It's, the same, it's like, oh, yeah. Frodo's been struggling not to put on the ring. And then at the end, he puts on the ring. He doesn't. I mean, obviously, like, it ends well for Frodo. That's true. But uh, That's true. I'm just saying, you know. I think there's there, mm-hmm. you don't have to have the character necessarily be perfect the entire time and, yeah. and fulfill some sort of perfect uh, fairy tale style style ending. I'm just saying. That's um, a good point. That's a good point. Tyrion and Kyburn, the, their conversation in front of the, the like below the scaffolding where they have Missandei at the end of episode four. Uh, the way Tyrion says Kyburn <laughs> when because uh, yeah. basically he walks up uh, <laughs> and. Is like, hey, Daenerys wants your unconditional surrender. And Kyburn's like, well, Cersei wants your un- unconditional surrender. <laughs> Daenerys just like, boy. <laughs> Let's think about this. And then Tyrion says, I don't want to hear children burning alive. And Kyburn says, it's not a very pleasant sound. It's like, Kyburn, why do you know this? What do you, do you, are you, are you saying you, anyway, um, Daenerys tells uh, Tyrion or, or John or somebody that um, Sansa, I think it's John, that uh, Sansa killed Varys just as much as she did. Um, citation needed on that. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Daenerys killed Varys. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Daenerys, I feel like, is, is really interesting because she sort of arrives at a, a Thanos-like philosophy here. Because um, mm. her argument is basically like a more practical version of that because her argument is basically... I'm going to rule with fear and, and, and kill a lot of people because I know it's going to be good for future generations. And I thought that was really interesting that it's like, she has developed this yeah. into something that is like 
internally consistent within her own brain. Like it, she, the right. way she is trying, she is approaching this, and the the reason she ultimately ends up, uh, you know, burning King's Landing is because she believes she has to do it in order to be able to rule effectively moving forward. That's neat. I, you know, I think that again, it would be good to get the other side of that conversation where the free free folk, the commoners, are talking to her, or talk at least talking about her. And maybe that's, Alex, to your point, what would be a better option is to just have a scene where we have commoners talking about her so we understand how they feel about her. Like, if we can just get something yeah. going in that side, because she does talk a lot about the fact that, like, she doesn't feel like the commoners are doing enough to support her and things like that. So there's something there. Um, in the bells, I think Cersei's looking out the same window, window that Tommen jumped from. I could be wrong. I think so. Um, I think you're which right. Which is uh, horrifying and effective. Uh, neat, neat detail. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, so Miguel Sapochnik really channels his inner his inner Neil Marshall for the beginning of the yeah. Lannister invasion, <laughs> or the beginning of the um, Daenerys' armies invading, because they're all fighting, and then uh, the Lannisters surrender, and then they all start fighting again anyway. And there's like guys getting their hands chopped in half, and there's guys getting the tops of their heads whacked off, and smashed and yeah. it's gory and it's it's wonderful the effects are great uh it was neat <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> there's a shot of cersei in the bells uh when daenerys is just wrecking shop and like lighting wildfire caches on fire uh where cersei looks exactly like doc brown at the end of the back to the future when he's trying to like connect like all the plugs and he's like why isn't this working <laughs> she's just looking around very very wild behind <laughs> Um, I, I laughed at that. Uh, most of this I've already said because it's about Clegane Bowl. I did forget how much uh, Clegane Bowl is interspersed <laughs> with like Arya trying to escape. That's pretty right, neat. I had forgotten right. about that. That's a cool like montage of, of like Sandor keeps getting knocked down and then Arya gets knocked down and Arya's trying to get back up and Sandor can't get back up. I think that was neat. Um, and that whole plot with Arya trying to save the mother and daughter is super heart wrenching and horrifying. Where like she keeps trying to, she's trying to pull the yeah. daughter away because she's like, "Nope, your mother's dead. We have to get going." And then the daughter runs back like right into the path of the of Jurgon's flame. Um, it's horrifying yeah. and great, <laughs> and and that whole sequence um, is is spectacular television. Uh, just in general, like her dodging through everything, and and you know, however, and this is something that I've. Uh, I have problems with is people like saying, Oh, you know, the show is trash at the end or whatever. I don't know how you can just look at that, like, you know, 10 or 15 minute segment of Arya surviving the just absolute chaos of King's landing and say that that's not great television. (laughs) Like it's, it's, this is cinematic, like Hollywood level production value on this really engaging, terrifying, uh, well shot, sequence of someone trying to survive like a city burning down um and it's really cool like uh, you know it's just i i don't know how much i can more i can explain it other than just being like watch it again if you didn't like it the first time you saw it and try to divorce yourself from anything <laughs> else happening just like find that segment and just watch the what's happening because it it looks amazing and it's extremely yeah. effective effective and immersive um I agree. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> My first note on the Iron Throne is that I mistyped the title as the Iro Throne, uh, which I feel... Oh, um, man. That's that's a good omen uh, overall. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the oh I, I really like the random dude bur- walking out of King's Landing and he's just burnt and like yeah. has no skin basically and he's just he just walks by Tyrion like it's okay bro I just gotta walk it off I'll, I'll be fine just stretch it out a bit uh, I'll be good <laughs> I'll be all right <laughs> um, I of the Red Keep now looks like the Disney World Tower of Terror I don't I don't know why this is not, I don't that's fine um. I know that, like, in these last few episodes, Grey Worm is, is basically committing war, war crimes, um, and, like, yeah. we're, we're not supposed to be rooting for him. He's pretty cool. He's pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> no, he's, he's super cool. He's, he's kicking butt and taking names. Uh, and he gets to be no, the he's, master he's of wonderful. war. That's good stuff. <laughs> That's, like, yeah. you can't give him that title after he's, like, just spearing dudes left and right and then be like, oh, by the way, this guy's, you know, he's kind of a, he's kind of a baddie now. Um, he basically just goes full, like, uh, James Bond villain hitch- henchman and it's great sure. and I love him and I love the fact that he doesn't uh, like th- we we know enough about him to know that he does have a good heart and that he is just like full of rage right now because of Masandame and because he feels like these people are the enemy um, and I like the fact that he, he gets off uh, at the end he you know they, he gets to, to yeah. go and try and like start a peaceful life somewhere um, I think that's quite sweet right. I still don't know why uh he does why he takes John prisoner as opposed to killing him. I I mean, I think that like, again, we, we know gray worm and we know that he's not a horrible person. Like he is someone who will like, is willing to, to give people uh, a chance or at least to understand people. Um, if he killed Daenerys, I, just, I, I, I don't, I, I don't think you can that. make the, I don't know. I, I, like, it could have been, make... like, the shock that broke the fever, where he's like, oh, that's so horrible. Oh, wait a minute. You know, and I, I don't know. Yeah. And we also don't know exactly how that... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I totally see what you're saying. No, well, like, that's that's kind of my criticism. I, I think it's a bit of, we don't know exactly how to write that scene, so we'll have a time gap, and we won't show it, and you can just come up with your own explanation in your head. Oh, and then they'll make like a prequel movie called like <laughs> Gray, Gray One. That'll be the story of how they got the plans to Gray One. <laughs> how they got. And John at the Deere. end, it's like it'll be like you know who we really imprisoned when we threw John in that cell. Who? who? Oh, and then it'll be the end of the episode. <laughs> um, no, I mean I I don't know. I th- I think we've seen enough of Gray Worm to know that he is a good person. Um, I I think. To your point, Britain, in terms of like him realizing, oh, someone, someone Daenerys uh, loved was was willing to kill her. Uh, maybe I should critically think about the situation and understand why that was. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It would be nice to have an extra conversation. I feel like they left it out just because they were pressed for time and yeah. they figured it would it would track well enough um, to jump ahead, but. Your results may vary. <laughs> um, I think at one point, Daenerys... Because people start randomly calling Grey Worm by his birth name yeah. towards the end, or at least by his... No, no, no. His, uh, I it's, think just, she calls him, it's just Grey Worm in Valyrian, I believe. In Valyrian? Because I think she calls him Torgo mm-hmm. at one point, which is the name of a character from Manos, the Hands of Fate, from Mystery Science there Theater 3000. So I can't wait to announce my new, the new film, Torgo, a Game of Thrones story. <laughs> um... I really like the shot of Tyrion chucking his hand pin down the stairs. I think that's uh, yeah. that's a, a beautiful shot and uh, effective. 
and the way that like all the unsullied stop uh chanting and marching and kind of like uh interesting mm-hmm. um i think it's it's, it's well done I, re- I really like that and to your point alex the as as we brought up a few times that maybe daenerys would have already let Tyrion go as her hand uh if it was all building up for that payoff then uh you know worth it <laughs> sounds good also um, uh that whole sequence <clears throat> sounds like we, it looks like we have a lot more dothraki than, than we were led yeah. to believe <laughs> and unsullied really i don't i mean it's yeah yeah, they they play fast and loose with the numbers there. It's fine. Um, <laughs> that that whole scene does such a good job of depicting how terrifying this is. Like everything looks so bleak, and Daenerys is like looming over them, like Scar with the hyenas or mm-hmm. something. Like it's it's fantastic. Um, sometimes duty is the de- the death of love. That's a that's a great turn of phrase. I think that's a very yeah. effective thematic closure on especially John's story in particular. Um, I, yeah. I feel like that works extremely well as like the, this is what everything John's been through has built him towards um, is, is so that he has to be the one and is the only one who could possibly make this choice. Um, I, I love the fact that Daenerys gets to touch the throne for a second. Um, there's yeah. a really beautiful like choral version of the throne's theme as she's walking up to it. That's quite good. Um, and the fact that yeah. she never actually sits on the throne is so like heartbreaking and, and, wonderful yeah. and, and such a, a good touch um she also brings up the fact I, I i had this little mini realization or revelation while i was watching she brings up the fact that she's like oh the, the you know the throne is made of a thousand swords i thought it was going to be this big pile of of, of stuff mm-hmm. of all of Aegon's enemies um and so you have the meta reference that we've made before in the show about like oh you know this is in the books the it is actually a thousand swords and it's this big massive awful like monstrosity yeah. of metal um but also, we have the scene where Littlefinger is dissecting the fact that there's only 200 swords, or like not even 200 swords, in the actual throne. And, the, and he uses that to make a point about how, you know, basically the Empire is built on stories that people have told each other. You know, with it, mm-hmm. that's where power resides, sort of. And so Daenerys, in, the, in this instance, she's seeing the throne and she's still believing the story that it was built on a thousand swords of Aegon's uh, enemies. And so she's still believing sort of the, the myth that she is like destined to have this power. Like she's still believing in her birthright. She's still believing in the fact that she was uh, fated to take this, to take this throne. And I think that's really fascinating that that's a really great, line and thing to bring up that they didn't necessarily have to bring up uh in this bit like they could just have her have john immediately come up and confront her but they thought about this and they put that in there to be like daenerys is still she's she's delusional about you know her lineage and and you know what actually gives her her power and and what kind of leader she is and she's buying into this story that's been told to her that is not actually true uh, I think that's fascinating. I, I, I was watching this and I was like, wow, I can't believe they brought that up again. Because I've been watching for them to keep continuing to mention stories because that all works into the brand stuff. Um, so I have been focusing on whenever they bring that up as we do this rewatch. Uh, and I completely had forgotten about that. And that's, a, I, I think, a really effective little tidbit to drop in there in that last dialogue with her. Um, they also weave in the Game of Thrones theme with her theme. Uh, in this scene, yeah. kind of a, 
ice and fire, if you will, uh, combining in the score. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, I like how Sansa chuckles at Sam's democracy proposal. Uh, like even even Sansa is like, oh, that's a little far fetched, Sam. <laughs> we, we can't let people have their own yeah. their own say in our government. Um, <laughs> uh, I really like Bran's immediate reaction to being made made king because first he's like. Tyrion, you're going to be my hand. And Tyrion's like, I'm probably not a good option. He's like, no, you're going to fix all the mistakes you've made. Um, and mm-hmm. then Grey Worm is like, you can't name him uh, Hand. He's our prisoner. And Bran's like, yeah, I can't. I'm the king. It's like, Bran, you've been, you've been king 30 <laughs> seconds here. You want to slow your roll? Um, I did want to ask, um, with regards to that scene, because a huge chunk of that is Sansa being like, leave the North alone. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be the queen of the North. Um, it is weird that that happens and Yara is sitting right there and I she's had, not going, can the Iron Islands be independent as well? I hadn't thought about this until I watched it this time, but I realized Yara is like not on their side. Like Yara is, yeah, she was one of Daenerys' supporters and also she and her, her men, I mean, some of the Iron, Iron Islands, Iron Islanders did. Um, fight in the battle for Winterfell, but a lot of them just went back to uh, the Iron Islands. Right. And so, like, I think it, the the reasoning is there enough, the logic is there that Sansa's like, and she explicitly says, all the Northerners just, like, laid down their lives to save the rest of this country. The North has been independent for years. Like, going back into history, they've they've always had this streak of independence. We need to be independent again. They're never going to bow down to another ruler. Um... I think it works that no one rejects anything. And there is a nice, at least second shot of like uh, the camera sort of looking at everyone and, and seeing that nobody is rejecting this proposal from Sansa. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it is, it would be nice if some, if there was some extra tidbit of discussion there where they kind of uh, debated the fact that specifically the North gets to be independent. I don't know. That would be nice. I, I'm not, I'm, I think that is a valid uh, problem, even if I, I follow enough of it for it to work for me. Um, Tyrion and Jon's last conversation, where Tyrion's like, yeah. I don't know if we made the right decision. Tell, ask me again in 10 years. Um, and then also, Jon talks about going north and, and being like, well, I guess this is the last time I'm going to see you. And Tyrion being like, well, maybe I'll have to come uh, piss off the edge of the wall again. In uh, in a mm-hmm. while, you know, I'm going to be hand of the king. That's going to be super uh, annoying. Right. Um, that's a <laughs> that's a great last bit. Again, it's yeah. it's connecting it all the way back around um, with these characters. Now that we've like killed off so many characters, that the ones that we have left are the ones that were together in the beginning. Um, I, yeah. I really love that. I think that's a that's a great callback. Um. Then also. Uh, Brand telling John before John goes off. Uh, John is like apologizing for not being able to save Brand from going up north or or what have you. And Brand's like, "You were always exactly where you needed to be." And that's, I think, that's really sweet given the the multiple uh, close calls they had where they almost met. I love that. I think that's quite good. Yeah. That uh, Brand is kind of like, "Hey, it's okay that you weren't able to find me in those times." Like, you know, we're everything turned right. out okay um 
And then I, I like the last scene with everyone quite a bit with, with Tyrion straightening all the chairs and then everyone immediately messes them up again. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that... Game of chairs! Uh, Tyrion is, is not in the history book that comes from the guy in the Citadel. Uh, and also, mm-hmm. the book is called The Song of Ice and Fire, uh, and it's written by Archmaester Ambrose, which means they, they gave George a really dumb name in this universe. Well, it's a very touching tribute, I think. <laughs> but they let him be played well, by Jim Broadbent. <laughs> well, I, I think there's an there's a interesting line of dialogue in uh, season six, or maybe it was seven. Um, yeah, it had to have been seven. Um, where Sam is talking with him, and Sam's like, that name he came up with is a little... Oh, right, I had to about that. So I think the idea is that Sam's the one that comes up with the name. That makes sense. And no, no, I was talking about the fact that Ambrose, and it's like, this is a George stand-in, and George yeah. writes dumb names. It's fine. It's a, it's a <laughs> flimsy joke. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I like the fact... It's that- also a very... <laughs> It fits in with the whole Lord of the Rings inspiration for the thing that, like, doesn't at one point they write, doesn't somebody write yes. the Lord of the Rings in the Lord of the Rings? Or they write yes. There and Back Again, A Hobbit yes. Tale by Bilbo Baggins? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very true. Um, yeah, and I like that, that Tyrion is not in the history books, just like Varys said he wouldn't after, you know, like he said, right. uh, King's Landing from uh, Stannis and. All that stuff. And now it's kind of played for a laugh, which is nice. That It's like, well, I guess Tyrion's going to have to, uh, you know, figure things out and, and, and get himself back yeah. on the map. Um, <laughs> uh, and then my last thought is just that I, I think it's really nice that we got uh, a crowd of wildlings ambling towards the forest. Like, I know this is sort of the point, but I I think this was lost on me the first time I watched it, that instead of having the, the army of the dead, how we always see them in like this big sprawling crowd as they're slowly marching south. Now we've got all these live wildlings and they're returning to their home and they're spreading out. And they look exactly the same. Like it's the same kind of crowd formation, but now they're now it's a good thing. They're rebuilding. Uh, it's, it's good. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's also the, the, begin, the first scene of the series exactly. is a group of people leaving the wall. Right. And just like this. I'm really glad that we watched this show. Mm-hmm. I, I've had a really fun time doing this show on the podcast. Like, I It was cool to finally like really get it, watch the whole thing and do the whole show. But like, it's been really fun recording it. Like, I'm really glad that we did this. This has been a, a really good, uh, a really good time yeah. for me. Yeah. I ultimately decided that the final season, pretty good. Yeah. And once again, <laughs> everyone online, let's take it down a notch. <laughs> even if trying it, to sleep here. Even if it's been a year and a half since the show came out, let's take it down a notch. Uh, do you guys want to jump into grades? Yeah. Do you guys know what you're giving I'm, it? Because I'm not sure. I'm yet. going A. Um, I think for me, you know what? Me too. Throw me an I'm A too. I, I have my list in front of me, so I'm going to rattle it off. You guys don't don't have to feel obligated to do it. Um, for me, start starting bottom to top. I would go season two, season seven, season one, season five. One and five are 
very close to me for me i would say i just i like some of the stuff at the end of five um in season four then season eight then three and then six is my overall favorite so eight eight i'm putting as my third favorite of the seasons um yeah i like it i like it quite a bit i think there's some logistical stuff as we talked about that's uh iffy uh but i think some of the highs are among the the highest in the entire show Yeah, I'll also say A. You know, art is hard. Endings are harder. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that there is a misconception that artists work for the audience. Um, That's not... That's not that they don't. (laughs) Like... And I really, really respect that this show made their own mistakes. Like like they had... Like Mass Raider said. And this is... You know... TV is hard. All of it's hard. It's amazing that anything good gets made ever. Yeah. So that something gets made with flaws is not shocking. It's just like, yeah, that's what happens. And I think that the show is a staggering achievement just from a production level. But I think from a storytelling level, it is really impressive mm-hmm. to be this vast, even after all the cutting and condensing they have to do from the book. I just I understand that people don't like it. That's totally fine. But like... There, there, there is a difference between respecting your fan base and celebrating them and then just pandering to them and right. then just giving them whatever they want because it'll keep you popular. And I really, really respect this show for saying, what is the story that we want to tell and that is the spirit of the books and the spirit of these characters? And I really liked that I watched a show that by the end of it didn't just feel like they were going, how do we end this story? But you really felt like, David and Dan thought, "What do? How do we write this scene for Kit and for Maisie and for Sophie? Like right. these people they have worked with for a decade, and that it is that this show becomes in the end like a love letter. Like people writing love letters to each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a beautiful thing. And um, I think <laughs> if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that." TV shows are not the worst, the most important thing in the world. <laughs> like, it's totally fine if one's not to your liking. But I think the show is so impressive. And I have complained about it and criticized it for for reasons that I think needed to be criticized. But, like, I just feel like I went on this huge adventure with a lot of characters I really, really loved. And a lot of events I found really beautiful and sad and exciting and infuriating and all the things that an adventure should give you. So, yeah, I, I A... Mm-hmm. A for me. Great TV. And Alex gives it a C. <laughs> like Aquaman. Like Aquaman. Exactly. Um, no, I'm like, I'm going to give it a B. Um, I think overall I liked it uh, a bit more than season seven, which I still mm-hmm. think ultimately is the worst season. Um, sure. And that might just be because the Beyond the Wall episode I think is just – a, a terrible episode. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's funny because like I, I don't think this is a surprisingly consistent show in terms of quality. Like, yeah, if yeah. I were to, if someone were to ask me how many bad episodes on, are there on Game of Thrones, I would say just one. Sure. <laughs> so I think in seventy plus hours of television, that's pretty impressive. Um, mm. But yeah, I think you know. I, I, I do think that this season kind of has some issues in terms of pacing and, and needing to, to maybe flush some stuff out more. But I think 
a lot of the criticisms lobbed at it are misplaced um, or ultimately aren't that significant compared to no. what this season achieves. Um, yes. So, yeah, I completely I, agree. You know, Britain, going back to your point, like it's got flaws. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, yeah. And ultimately, I, I think it ends on, on a pretty solid note. So, B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and and I, yeah. Oh, sorry, Tyler, go ahead. I was just going to say, you, you brought up, Britain, that, like, not pandering to the audience. I think there there's definitely a misconception of people who, like, feel like they messed up the ending because they didn't do very obvious things. Like, mm-hmm. I, you'd have, I don't know that it's possible to not, understand that people would love to see Jon Snow behead the Night King. Like, yeah, that's not a thing that, you know, they just didn't think of. There, were, there was not a point where they were just like, oh, man, uh, we completely just forgot that we could have had Jon Snow have this epic battle <laughs> with the Night King. What's what, what idiots we are <clears throat> like. They understood what they were doing. You you cannot can disagree with whether or not it, it worked effectively or was like a good story or, you know, artistically was, was good. Sure. But I don't think, I think it's, it's underestimating the guys that got you so invested in the show in this first place to be like, Oh, they, you know, they didn't have Arya uh, rip off uh, or have Jamie walk up to Cersei. And then only he rips off his face and it's Arya and she stabs her. Like, they understand that these are things they could have done, but they didn't do them because it wouldn't have fit tonally within the story. And so I think that's my ultimate kind of like ending thought on the series as a whole is just like you, I think a lot of people watched the red wedding and thought that was like a low point for the characters. And that at the end, everyone, everything would kind of come full circle and everyone would be happy and like triumphant. And and it would be like, people were still viewing this as a very traditional story and it's it's not like it's it's a story that uh is is meant to make you question how you root for people and and how you feel about characters and how you sympathize with characters um and and make you generally like you know have to deal with real world consequences of things and the fact that the show ends you know so soon after such a major uh act of destruction is is wrought by one of the main characters that everyone is is you know loves basically um is uh, it's basically like if you put the red wedding right before the end of the show <laughs> like it's it's the same kind of gut punch um and that's what they're going yeah. for and i think it's very silly to act like they were dumb for not having john and daenerys get together because that's never what they were going to do like that just was not on the table for a show like this so i don't know i yeah. i think they they did a good job and uh, much like Tyrion says, I, I hope in, in in ten years when people are revisiting the show, they're kind of. I think Lost, you, Britain, you mentioned Lost is a very good comparison because it's like that's an ending that ultimately I would say is like fine. Uh, I watched the entire yeah, show same. like well after same. everyone else did, um, like mm. you said, Britain. And I think it's a good comparison in the sense of like people have reevaluated that and realized that no, actually the the show has a lot of good moments and is is overall worth watching. Uh, in as opposed to something like Dexter, where everyone says that the the finale is is just yeah. I have not watched Dexter, but everyone goes to that as like the worst thing ever in terms of the finale, and apparently it just mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense with the rest of the show. Sure. I feel like it's it's more in the Lost camp than the Dexter camp is is my ultimate point. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I definitely think this is a show that would benefit from rewatching. Um, knowing where it ends, you can see that they've kind of been talking to you all, like how multiple times throughout the show people will uh, prophecy someone's death, yeah. <laughs> you know, or tell you how someone, without directly stating it, like they will just tell you how something's going to happen later. Like the show gives you the clues, mm-hmm. Mr. Police. Um, and so genuinely, my recommendation for this week is the TV program Game of Thrones. There you go. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it's great. You know, it's not for everybody, but I think it has, weirdly enough, even though it's not for everyone, I, I think that, Everybody I know would find something in it yeah. they like, if that makes sense. There's a character, or there's a scene, or there's an element. There's something in it that I'm like, you may not like the whole thing. But, oh, I really want you to see this guy. I really want you to see this part of it, because it's really cool. Um, also, read the books. Mm-hmm. I know there's only five of them, and maybe there will never be all of them, or maybe there will be. But regardless, like they're, I think they're pretty good books. <laughs> they're long, but mm-hmm. like, I had, a, I, have a, I had a really good time reading them. Um, I, I would really love to read the Dunkin' Egg books at some yes. point. Uh, They're also quite good. You know, a, a series like that is, like, too big to not be criticized, but I still think it's totally worth checking out. Like, they're cool books, and George is a pretty good writer, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. I don't know if you all have any recommendations, but I just want to reemphasize that Game of Thrones is awesome. No, no recommendations for me this week. I was basically just kind of, like... Rushing last minute to try and, and knock these episodes out. Sure. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> Alex has been busy living his life. We we are we are going to drop a spooky episode here, uh, uh, probably we are, on we are. Friday or so, um, right before Halloween, and uh, I'm going to try and have some recommendations to talk about then. But uh, same, same. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, I would Ooh. I would endorse that. I think. <laughs> I think definitely revisit because what could be scarier than Game of Thrones season eight? Um, re- revisit uh, Game of Thrones is my recommendation. If you if you feel like I don't know if you've watched if you've listened to, to all of this and you still hate the show, I don't know. Did, we've held your attention this long. Uh, I don't know that we've gone seventy hours, but we've gone quite a few. G- give it a shot. G- go ahead and, and take the shot. See if uh, you can get anything out of out of a little rewatch and. Uh, if it if it settles in a little better this time around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I because this was such a big thing for us to do, I didn't want to like, oh, here's this other thing that's awesome. But for our spooky episode, we'll, we'll talk about a lot of cool stuff, um, which I'm very excited about. And Tyler, where would they be able to find that spooky episode? And where can they find us now? They can find us now and forever, and especially on Halloween. Uh... Uh, here come the sequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCT Sequels. Um, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud. You can email us at here come the sequels at gmail.com. We're, we are so available. We're so we're so here waiting for you with open arms. Dan ready. and David, we're waiting for waiting you. <laughs> for yeah. David Benioff and DB Weiss to reach out and do a podcast with us. I promise to not ask about Troy or to only talk about Troy. <laughs> Whichever, we'll leave it dealer's Which, choice. However you want to do I it. I promise man. not to ask about your writing credit for X-Men Origins Wolverine, <laughs> even though you were like 10 rewrites before that movie actually got made. But that's all my questions are going to be about. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I've been Tyler. And I promise not to just... <laughs> and I've been Britain. <laughs> oh, don't leave me for the ending. Um, I've been Alex. <laughs> and you're having a good night. <laughs> <laughs> don't leave me for the ending. The tagline for season eight of Game of Thrones. <laughs>